What Was Cool, hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. So anyways, Mike, when you turn 30, you illegally have to start getting really into birds and bird watching. Yeah, that seems right. Uh, I seem to really have an eye on looking at those uh, those yellow-chested mm. uh, sparrows. I'm not really sure yet, but nope. uh, we're live, Neil. We're live. Yep, we are indeed, Mike. And uh, yeah, it's okay. You're only, you've are only you only been 30 for about nine months, so yeah. you've got some time to really get a handle on those yellow-chested finches or whatever it is that are flying around the uh, the Toronto area. I'm really good <laughs> at... Uh, I can f- I can spot seagulls pretty well, and uh, robins, cardinals. I'm pretty good at those Couple ones. pigeons. So. Pigeons here and there. Those are yeah. fairly common here in the Toronto area, but uh, I'm turning 30 in like two weeks, so I have some time to get really good at that. But uh, speaking of dates, Mike, we, uh, we don't really call out the dates too often. Often when we're uh, recording this podcast, at least current dates, we talk a lot about the past and everything, hence the the title of this podcast. But this is a pretty big week, and we've already had a big week, or a big day rather, this year with uh, the Barbenheimer Day, where we had Barbie, Pikmin, and Oppenheimer all in one day. I think that we're getting a day that could arguably be bigger than that in uh, just a couple of days when this podcast goes live, or actually it might be the day this podcast goes live, and that is October 20th. What Mm -hmm. a day to look back on. There's so many things happening from a new Blink album coming out, which is the first time we've seen Tom in the band since 2011. We've got a big Hot Wheels game coming out this week. There's just so much to celebrate. Uh, A couple things there that I'm sure you're looking forward to as well. Oh my god. I mean, October 20th just seems too loaded. There's too much <laughs> stuff. I think uh, the entertainment committees around the world really uh, uh, didn't get their act together and they decided to just put yeah, let's just put it all on one day. Uh, pretty crazy seeing yeah, Mario Wonder coming out uh, and Spider-Man 2 as well uh, being in very highly anticipated. Uh, those are probably, arguably, maybe going to be the two biggest selling games of the year. And they're uh, hitting shelves the same day, which is pretty crazy i know pikmin 4 is uh, is gonna be uh, very close behind uh, i mean i was mario gonna say Wonder. tears of the kingdom but sure <laughs> oh yes <laughs> well let's see mario does traditionally outsell zelda so mm-hmm. uh so it'll be interesting to see especially with the spider-man 2 coming out same day uh killers of the flower moon uh big movie by martin scorsese a martin and leo dicaprio uh collab that's been in the works for many years that's coming out october 20th also the rolling stones that's right they have a new album sorry? hackney diamonds <laughs> <laughs> they're first since 2005. Uh, they're also in their 80s. Uh, Charlie Watts, I think he died earlier uh, this year as well. So, I mean, like, somehow these guys are still, so, some of them are still kicking uh, and uh, and making uh, new music, which is crazy. But, yeah, uh, some highly anticipated releases coming out on October 20th. And I'm sure there are others that we missed. But, uh, yeah, what a day. What a day. I mean, yeah, the Stones news. I heard about that a couple of weeks ago and I had to do a double take because it's like <laughs> I knew that they still toured and I knew that a couple of them are dead. And I know um, I, I know that they were coming out with some new music and it's like, man, that album, that's going to be chock full of auto tune and everything else. Like there's going to be some session musicians with them on that. It's cool. I mean, I'm sure that I'll have a different opinion on some of these aged musicians as the bands that we love start to hit 80. Like I'm sure that we'll, I'm sure we'll be begging for Blink a new Blink 80. album. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be begging for a Blink <laughs> album in 30 or 40 years, honestly. Who the hell knows what they're going to sound like if Travis Barker can even do what he does uh, by then. But it's so it's so weird how like a year ago we were kind of 
Knocking on Edging, the Blink song that came out. We didn't really love their first single as much as uh, some other Blink fans did out there. And most of the people that I talked to as well who are longtime Blink fans didn't like it either. So I feel vindicated with that. But uh, mm-hmm. the, the four or five singles that we've got this year, all within like the last month, by the way, um, have all been great in my opinion. So if the rest of the album, I honestly kind of hope Edging doesn't make it to the album. Um, but if the rest <laughs> of the album sounds like what we've heard so far with uh, One More Time and uh, and a few others in there, I think we're in for a really good album. And I know that we just saw them earlier this year, but I would love to see them tour these new songs because they didn't play any of them when we saw them back in, uh, what was that, March, April? That was a it, while ago now. Did they even play Edging? I don't remember. No, they did. They did. Sorry, they played Edging. You're right. Okay, yeah, yeah. I they forgot. Did. I, see, I forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would love to see this album be toured. Um, and I, I'm just curious to see how good this album is going to be. I'm excited for October 20th. But Neil, we do also have some great news about the podcast itself. Mm. Uh, We have now hit 150,000 downloads after over three years of podcasting now. And that is, uh, for the numbers out here, 175 episodes that we've done so far. Uh, that's that's including the 15 side missions we have, the bonus episodes, uh, some of the two-parters as well. And uh, it's pretty crazy that we got to 150,000 downloads. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I still remember, I talk about this all the time, back in our first week being excited over 20 downloads in one week. And now most days we still get that pretty much before we wake up. So that's kind of cool. Most of our listeners coming from the US, which is uh, very nice. Uh, Hi, Americans. Uh, About 60% 60 there. Um, Not Canada did fall behind though. The second place is uh, the UK with 11%, about 9% from Canada. And then about 3.5% from Australia. And uh, if you're doing the math, that doesn't add up to 100. So the rest is from uh, everywhere else. So that's uh, that's really cool. And the majority of you are listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and then Google Podcast. Um, and I'm assuming, again, that the, the rest of those people are probably listening to us on the PSP because I can't imagine what else you would find us on. Oh, PSP, yeah, you should be listening to our podcast uh, on PSP. We come in <laughs> UMD discs, so uh, please uh, check out our episodes. Every episode has its own UMD. Mm-hmm. Just makes sense. Uh, yeah. The production value or the production costs are really crippling irresponsibly us. high, actually. Uh, those <laughs> <Yeah>. costs <laughs> really, really <laughs> terrible. That's why we have to get funded by Bowser Oil and mm. uh, and take that that money. But uh, our our top ten episodes, Neil. It's it's been quite a quite a ride. We've we've done this a couple times looking back at our top 10 episodes in terms of downloads. Nightfire is still number one, if you can believe it, Neil. Uh, <laughs> still an incredibly high amount for Nightfire, way above everything else, which is really brings us a lot of joy. So thank you, everyone who keeps re-listening to Nightfire, because surely this isn't Finding New Year's. It's just the same <laughs> people re-listening to that episode. We also got Twilight Princess, which is our uh, our one of our newest uh, episodes in this top 10 that is at number two and may one day take over Nightfire. That episode did really, really well. One of our last episodes for the GameCube is Cool podcast. We also have Super Mario Sunshine, of course, Paper Mario, Pikmin 2, the GameCube is Cool, our very first episode, which I'm glad is now bumped down to six. That needs Still to just keep high. sliding. Still too high. <laughs> Still way too high. It's got to slide way more. Uh, Resident Evil 4 at number 7. That's one of my favorite episodes that we recorded for sure. Luigi's Mansion Revisited, uh, our only episode in uh, in this new format that is in the top 10. Uh, that did extremely well, and that was also a ton of fun to record because Luigi's Mansion was our second episode ever for the GameCube is cool. We wanted to uh, do it more justice, and we I think we certainly did. Super Smash Bros. Melee coming in at number 9, and Mario Kart Double Dash and Animal Crossing are both tied at mm. number 10. 
Uh, and uh, those were some 2021 episodes, which those ones feel recent. And it's kind of crazy to think that that's 2021. Yeah, 2021 to 2023. Is, it just felt like one long year, honestly. You made, <laughs> yeah. me, you made me second guess myself there when you said uh, Mario, Kart, Mario Kart Double Dash and Animal Crossing. I was like, surely to good God, we didn't combine those two into, <laughs> into one episode. But yeah, they're tied. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, good to see a revisited episode on there. Mm-hmm. Clearly, the, the new format is the uh, the popular format for us. Eh? Nine out of ten of them are the GameCube was cool, but they've had a lot more time. <laughs> They've, to, had uh, years they've had to years. years to percolate and find new ears. I, I need yes. to go back and listen to our Nightfire episode because I did know that uh, that it was very popular and still is to this day. And we still play that game and we still get messages from people who love Nightfire. So I need to go back and listen to it just to see how good of a job we did. Because, uh, I mean, that was an early one, Nightfire. That was when we were only like, uh, what, five months old into podcasting. So really neat. Um, I can't wait to go back and listen to hear what we said about... Uh, so what do we call them? All bots and all bots, uh, yeah. all bots. Yeah, AI. We didn't know what AI was back in 2004, but yeah. uh, we figured it out <laughs> after a while. But Mike, I think that it's time that we jumped into today's episode, which is not about Nightfire, but it is about something from the 2000s. It's a, it's an album. What do you think? Ooh, it's a spooky album. Let's mm-hmm. do it, Neil. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 34 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast, the show about all things retro that we love from our childhood. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one podcast on the internet, hosted by people who covered Nightfire one time. You can support our show on patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool. Supporters at the $5 level get to submit and vote on our monthly Patreon elected episode. Last week, we talked about toys from the 90s and 2000s, which was the winner of our October Patreon election. If you haven't already, go back back and check it out. This week we are talking about the absolute peak of the emo era in the mid-2000s. The band My Chemical Romance had already found a fair bit of success after the release of their first two full-length albums. Their third one took the world by storm with multiple hit singles, world tours, and hundreds and thousands of emo kids dyeing their hair black and blonde and probably wearing a parade outfit to school or for Halloween or whatever. We're of course here today to talk about the Black Parade, which was released on October 20th, 2006. It turns 17 this year. Can't do anything yet. Can't drink, can't drive, can't smoke, can't buy lottery tickets, but it's getting close, which is uh, crazy to think. (laughs) Performed by My Chemical Romance, produced by Rob Cavello, clocks in at 51 minutes and 53 seconds, sold 4.5 million albums worldwide, which uh, feels low. It's the 15th best-selling album that year, and it's, of course, a rock, emo, and a pop-punk album. Mike, what are your memories of My Chemical Romance and the Black Parade from back in the day? Did you dye your hair black in middle school? Not in middle school, no, but uh, I, I did dye my hair black for Halloween one year, I think, uh, to to be more emo. And uh, mm. and I, de- but I definitely had the emo hair, as, as many of us did. We yeah, all did. Bl- we, uh, we all did. Uh, the Black Parade, I think, for, for anyone of our generation, is a seminal album. Uh, if you don't like it, if you've never heard too much of it, you know some of the songs, you know the piano intro to Welcome to the Black Parade. It's so ingrained in everything that was going on around that time. Uh, I'd, I argue sometimes even that it's maybe bigger than, I'd say, the other genera- generational album, American Idiot, mm-hmm. uh, just because this really defined a genre uh, of music as well and, and a subculture. But uh, yeah, for me, I, I do, of course, remember when this came out in around grade seven, grade eight, uh, and I think someone had it on CD or, or something, you know, they let you borrow it. I, I checked it out. I knew of my chemical romance. I I didn't have the CD, but I had listened to Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge quite a, quite a bit. I remember uh, uh, listening to it 
at maybe it was at Music World, but uh, <laughs> one of the music stores where you could uh, actually like listen to the CD before you bought it, uh, which I think you can still do at places, but like I feel no one does that. No, uh, I, I, but the, it was a pretty big thing in the in in the two thousands, really before mm-hmm. uh, massive access to the internet. You would just go and listen to the new albums, and I remember listening to Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge and and Helena, of course, being. Uh, getting a lot of radio play and so I knew MCR relatively well and when Black Parade came out I I didn't know too much about it but then when I first heard the singles like Teenagers and Welcome to the Black Parade I was like whoa this is pretty cool (laughs) and uh, of course got really really into the album as many of us did and I remember playing it like learning the songs on piano uh, as well playing in a couple of like middle school bands and and stuff and uh, and playing those songs uh super super popular people would just be screaming the lyrics on this uh, on the schoolyard while we're like all listening to uh to different headphones with headphone splitters <laughs> <laughs> on uh on people's uh mp3 players because I, I guess mp3 players were starting to to come out at this point in 2006 as well so it, it was it really defines a specific period of time for me for sure just like a lot of these other albums of the 2000s but this one might be the most like clear Mm. i guess in terms of defining that moment like when i think of black parade when i listen to it again i'm like oh yeah like i know where i was when i first listened to these songs Mm -hmm. and i also know where i was when i re-listened to some of these songs and got back into the albums i remember in in 2016 when i was working uh and i i'm not sure why but i i I decided to put on the black parade and like yeah let's put this on spotify let's play this album I, I love i love mcr of course and listen to it and was like oh yeah oh my god like all these feelings are like rushing back to you and that was really cool and i've had that kind of experience a couple times since and then you went on to danger days and you were like oh no this uh they <laughs> fell off a, a cliff real quickly mm-hmm. uh yeah I, i'm very similar to you and you nailed it the, the this album hit twice for me and and never really stopped after that second time honestly but yeah uh first time i remember it was in grade eight when it first came out that christmas of grade eight because it came uh, the singles started uh, hitting the radio in October and then uh, basically played that winter. So I remember I listened to basically what my parents did on the radio. And this was at a time when uh, depressing songs were, for some reason, making it onto like regular mainstream radio, which is weird oh, yeah. to think by today's standards, because nowadays most thing is pretty poppy and upbeat and it's the same it's always been the same five artists, I suppose. But the songs were just different. Like, they played um, that song by Hinder. Like, Lips of an Angel was on Evanescence. there. Evanescence. Evanescence. Blue October, Hate Me was on the radio. Yep. Like, B- Billy Talent songs were on the radio. Like, Surrender. Um, like you said before, Green Day with some of their Wake Me Up When September Ends songs. Not completely emo songs. Like, nothing like, you know, they weren't they weren't playing, like, Hawthorne Heights or something like that. But still, like, they were playing yeah. mainstream emo songs, which you don't get too often anymore. Occasionally... An artist might slip in some kind of like an emo-ish song, like Olivia Rod- Ro- Olivia Rodrigo. Like some of her songs, kind of get close to that kind of Paramore sound. Yep. Um, especially like with her new song Vampire. But uh, this song, the Welcome Plus to the Black Parade, specifically takes me back to that holiday of uh, 2006. Hearing this song, this was the first MCR song that I'd ever heard on the radio, and it was mm-hmm. so cool. I always look forward to hearing it come on because I didn't have the CD. I didn't. I didn't buy it from Music World. I had no money in 2006, so there was that. But yeah. uh, and I didn't know like what the like who the band was, like what their past albums were. I didn't I didn't know Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge until mm. way later. 
Um, so I really just had this Welcome to the Black Parade song that I, I knew the chorus for, I knew the lyrics to. Um, I learned way later that I was really listening to the radio edit and the song is actually a little bit louder and a little bit, sorry, a little bit longer uh, and a little bit louder technically. But um, yeah, that 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 era, that random like six month period of hearing like really was kind of the introduction to like my emo phase, which I did hit in grade 10, which is when this album came back for me at around 2009, 2010. In mm. high school, Neil hit peak emo phase, everyone. Uh, had <laughs> full bangs were all black. I even dyed my hair black at one point, even though my hair is already very dark brown. I did not need to be dyeing my hair black at all. Uh, you know, hair straightener, the whole thing. I wore My Chemical Romance t-shirts and Avenged Sevenfold t-shirts to school and skinny black jeans and everything. The emo phase hit Neil the hardest out of everyone in our friend group. I think uh, Brandon, who's going to be coming on a little bit later, it hit him too, actually, which it is did. easy. It's so easy to forget that him and I had an emo phase, but it <laughs> it's so fun to go back right now and like look on TikTok and all of these elder emos, as they're calling them, people in their 30s now who had those phases and are looking back at old photos. Like that was definitely me and you, like you had the the swoop and everything yep. for, for a little while. Everyone did. That was the style. Um, but uh, anyway, that's when I got this record for uh, for Christmas on CD from my parents. It was on my Christmas list, Mike. I had My Chemical Romances, The Black Parade. And uh, it's weird because this was one of the first albums that I got that I remember thinking like, my parents must think that I'm weird because like just... <laughs> Like some of the songs yeah. that were on there, like listening to songs like Cancer and Mama and Sleep, like just like some of these really creepy, d- disturbing in some ways. So like if my I can imagine my parents probably might have been a little bit concerned for my sanity for a little while um, based on just what I was listening to and what I was wearing. Um, but I learned the album inside and out that year in grade 10 and 11. I loved it. Still do. Um, I learned all the words. I tried to learn a few of the songs on guitar. These songs are incredibly difficult to learn on guitar. Uh, Frankie and um, Frankie and Ray are incredibly good guitar players. Uh, I was able to learn more of the songs on bass because uh, Mikey Way, love him, but uh, his songs are incredibly basic and easy to learn. Sorry, buddy. Um, <laughs> but still very fun. Like it was fun to be able to pick up my bass guitar and play uh, like dead on on bass with with every like pretending like I'm in my room playing with the band. So that was. That was really cool, but it was it was just such a fun time in the mid to late 2000s to have that crossover between emo and uh, the mainstream. I know that that yeah. was for what a lot of people, it killed it uh, for them, but for me, that's when I got into it. Like MCR, they, they performed on Saturday Night Live, and uh, the, the host of the night was John C. Riley, which for me, that just feels like peak 2006, 2007 era, John C. Riley being in Talladega Nights and Step Brothers and MCR being one of the biggest rock bands of the time. And their two picks for that night were a Welcome to the Black Parade and Cancer being the second one. And I love the thought, the video's on YouTube. I just love the thought that their second pick was like the most disturbing and depressing song that they could have picked. And the hardest part of this, yeah, that's is that's leaving you. It's just about a song play on SNL with yeah. and then you just get some horns coming in like you know, like, like the background. Yeah, that's yeah. that feels interesting. Okay, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I that's one of my favorite songs. I love hearing oh, cancer. Yeah. Love hearing it played at at at. Um, uh, arenas and everyone singing along great great ballad great sing-along song we'll, we'll obviously get into it more but uh, mcr themselves my chemical romance they started in 2001 neil and mm-hmm. I, I, a lot of people probably already know this but uh, they started because gerard way witnessed the september 11th attacks and was motivated to start a band because of that uh and the name actually was suggested by bassist mikey uh, way who's the younger brother of gerard uh he was working on barnes and noble and he saw the title of a book by Irvin welsh named ecstasy three tales of chemical romance 
I guess that's where it comes from. He's like, mm-hmm. that's a cool name. And uh, <laughs> and their current lineup is Gerard Way, Mikey Way, Ray Toro, and Frankie I- Iero, mm-hmm. uh, who you mentioned earlier there, Neil. They don't have a permanent drummer anymore. I guess you just don't need one <laughs> when you're when you're not putting an album out. But uh, uh, at the height of their success, it was Bob Breyer on mm. drums. Uh, but uh, yeah, they've they've had quite a storied career. They only have four albums. Mm-hmm. technically five if you want to con- consider conventional weapons an album which is 10 unreleased songs that they recorded before danger days but it's i brought you my bullets you brought me my love in 2002 mm-hmm. three cheers for sweet revenge as i mentioned before in 2004 black parade in 2006 danger days the true lives of the fabulous killjoys yeah. in 2010 <laughs> uh and conventional weapons which is the the collection of eps and, and unreleased songs in 2013 and i was actually kind of surprised to see obviously First album is only sells 100k, uh, obviously, but Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge sells 3.5 million worldwide. Mm-hmm. It's not too surprising to me. I was thinking about this because we always compare all of the record sales to uh, Weezer's Blue Album, which was 1993-94 era, and this is basically when LimeWire and Napster were big. Like this is when people were illegally downloading music, and it makes sense why these albums didn't sell super well. Um, I'm, well I'm, I was more like saying that I was surprised it sold like that much oh you like think 3.5 so. million yeah oh, okay. like like i mean you're you're absolutely right that's a super good point to make in terms of something like black parade which was a album that you thought that everyone had or everyone knew yeah but you're absolutely right like there was a lot of illegal downloading going on and also digital sales weren't correctly being um uh, added up as well to True. the physical sales at this time too so there were, were a lot of people buying these songs on iTunes and stuff, but uh, yeah, so 4.5 million feels more like a 16 million, like that uh, Blue Album had in the 90s. I just thought it was interesting how Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge was pretty close in terms of sales to Black Parade. Yeah, it's very interesting, because they're very different sounding records, like the Three oh, Cheers yeah. for Sweet Revenge is a much more kind of rougher, It's 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 got a bit pure more... Pure emo. Yeah, pure emo, whereas the Black Parade is far more produced, they have their alter egos, and there's more instru- there's different instruments, they've got some pianos, they've just got... It's a different sound altogether, and it's, it's I mm-hmm. think that's where they lost probably some of their um their hardcore early fans like anybody like the people who really stand behind their first record like probably don't like the black parade which i find their first record hard to go back to these days honestly mm-hmm. um but it is fun to go back and look at how they how they started as a band and a lot of people know this the people who are in the scene know about mcr and how they started in uh in 2001 it's pretty crazy how with MCR, I, this is what my, my wife has told me, is that MCR, the person who wrote, let me see if I got this right, the person who wrote Twilight was writing fanfic about Gerard Way, and then the person who wrote Fifty Shades of Grey was basically writing a fanfic of Twilight. I think I've got that right. So basically, if 9-11 never happened, we would not have Fifty Shades of Grey. So, or Gerard yeah. Way. Or Gerard Way. <laughs> <laughs> well, we would still have Gerard Way, because he was very big into comic books and everything. Yes. So I think if he had not become a lead singer of a famous rock band, he probably would have become a semi-successful comic book artist, but hard kind to tell. what he did became, become uh, yeah. with Umbrella Academy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. That's what he kind of transitioned to after Danger Days, The True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys. He transitioned to writing his own graphic novel series, which uh, I'm sure was big just based on his name probably sold it. Um, but he, uh, he did have his Netflix series and everything and, mm-hmm. uh, not a great album in my opinion. Uh, you and I both have our, uh, shared kind of disdain for that album. There, there's a few okay songs on it, but for the most part, that album, uh, was kind of a letdown for a lot like the kind of really do this. 
Really, though, the same kind of trajectory that we had with American Idiot, where we were very hyped on this one album from the mid-2000s, and how do you follow it up, right? Like, how do you follow up one of the greatest albums ever made with American Idiot and The Black Parade? Uh, Green Day came out with 21st Century Breakdown, which was hit and miss, and then uh, My Chemical Romance came out with Danger Days, which was, again, more miss than hit, in my opinion. So it, it just happened to a lot of bands in the 2000s who hit it big with that really popular mainstream emo pop-punk sound and had to follow it up with something when... Everyone was starting to listen to different music in the late 2000s. That that style of music was was gone for the most part. Like by grade 12 for us, most of the emos had gone away. I had cut my hair. Uh, my hair had gone back to dark black brown as opposed to black. Uh, I think you had gotten rid of your uh, your swoop as well. You, you know, everyone was kind of shorter hair, spiky, <laughs> and everyone was listening to. I don't even remember what we were listening to in 2010 at this point. Um, but 2010 but, is like like it's a lot. It's four years. Like that's that's a big gap between. Yeah, it is. Uh, album releases, uh, you know, for for um, a band that's having so much success, right? It's uh, and even Gerard Way, he said it. He said that Black Parade always felt like the end to me. To be honest, I never saw My Chemical Romance going past Black Parade. I planned things pretty far in advance. And by the time I'd got to the third album, which didn't have a name, I felt like that was the end. And basically, the time spent after Black Parade was me fighting against that instinct and fighting against myself. So uh, the end of Black Parade felt like a very natural ending. To go beyond that felt like betraying some sort of artistic uh, command that I had within myself. I love the thought of bands writing a trilogy of, uh, of albums and then mm -hmm. calling it quits or disbanding or starting something new. Like we don't have to have the Rolling Stones writing albums in their 80s, you know, like, like go out and do your own. Maybe we do, but like go out and write your own stuff, like go do something different. If 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 it's come to an end, like like certain bands can do that. And My Chemical Romance, I think, were one of those bands where in retrospect, I would have preferred it if they had cut it off at the Black Parade. It's it's a lot like Seinfeld cutting it off at season nine when they could be on season 30 at this point. Yeah, um, it's a lot like how the Wonder Years wrote my one of my favorite bands. They wrote three fantastic albums and they still write really good stuff. But it's crazy how like everyone still goes back to those first three. Um, mm -hmm. It's just the perfect trilogy. And and uh, I brought you my bullets to three cheers to the Black Parade just feels like the perfect New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi kind of trilogy. And uh, My Chemical Romance, they did come out with that new single early 2022, I think mm -hmm. that song came out, Foundations of Decay. And it's a really good song. I really liked it. And I think yeah. most of the fans did too. And they, they went on this big reunion world tour uh, in 2022. And it's been radio silent from them ever since, for the most part. Um, it's it's really strange. It seemed like that they were coming back a lot like the way Blink-182 are right now. But, Mike, I think that it's about time that we jump into the track-by-track -track, uh, listings of this album. But we have a caller joining the show today to talk about these songs with us. Who's joining the show today? All right, Neil, joining us today, our first and only guest of the show is friend of the show, Brennan. We're really excited to have him on to talk about some My Chemical Romance's Black Parade. It's been a long time since we last had Brennan on. Also, this is Brennan's birthday, or very close to it, so we got to <laughs> wish him a very happy birthday, and we're going to wish him a happy birthday by uh, going back to his roots and asking him some uh, some great questions here about uh, his emo phase. And I have to ask, Brennan, did you ever have an emo phase? Uh, hi, Mike. Um not kind of not really it was like a poser emo phase i had a lot of emo friends and i like to fit in with them in school but did it work no i mean it was all band kids so <laughs> yeah. technically yeah. like oh just, okay they're full emo and i'm sitting there in regular sweater and hoodie 
also playing the drums, so that helps. <laughs> it's funny because my memory of you in high school—I know you're you're in a grade ahead of us—but I picture you having like being an emo kid because like you had the really straightened hair for a while. I'd say poser emo is honestly like became real emo. So I, th- I think you're good. Yeah, the hot topic kind of. I think there was a big phase of like seeing kids trying to separate and be like, "Well, we still get straight A's." Hold on, <laughs> we're not that punk, all right? We just like we just like the hot topic clothes. We like the good discounts we can get on those mm-hmm. graphic tees at <laughs> at Hot Topic with our student price cards. <laughs> Lo- love a good SBC card. It's emo but corporate, you know? Yeah, yeah. Emo but corporate is a good way to put it. Yeah, anyone who had an SBC card back in the day, not sure if that's just a Canadian thing. Might have been a US thing too of like having these student cards where you could go around to different stores in your local mall that would uh, <laughs> give you like 5% discounts sometimes. <laughs> no. <laughs> not a good deal. Yeah, I was going to say not not a good deal on any American Eagle hot topic might have been one of them. I think Sunrise Records was one too. Uh, I just remember being so hyped about it in grade nine. Like they sold me on that. They sold me up the river with that thing. And then like by grade 10, I was like, I'm not buying this thing again. Yeah, you'd get benefits for a BMO account that you couldn't open without your parents. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but every emo kid had one because they were black and they looked cool in your wallet. It was a it was a cool card for sure and very emo card. But mm-hmm. of course, we are talking about a very emo album, The Black Parade, the height of emo as many consider it. And let's do a little track by track here, Neil. Let's start off with the first song that's titled the end wait a minute yeah i know they start the album off with the end it's very strange this is actually a concept album which we're going to talk a lot about today it's a rock opera based around the main character known only as the patient they will never call him that in the entire album but it's basically about his kind of passage through life and his memories of it uh and it's his kind of coming to terms with the fact that uh he's dying and that's the whole uh theme of the of the album and the whole thing basically starts with him finding out that he's dying uh that hence the end the uh the album starts off with uh you can hear a heart rate monitor going and uh this song is basically about the patient reminiscing about their life as being an outsider to the world and it's a really cool song it starts off slow starts off soft with Mm -hmm. that acoustic guitar and gerard way and then it gets into the heavy mcr that uh, we're going to get to know and love uh throughout this entire record um i didn't hear this song until i actually bought the album this one never made it to the uh, radio stations it never had a music video it was same experience yeah yeah so like the first time i, I started the album i was like what, what's this it's like someone dying what's happening here what's going on yeah i mean this is uh this is always a big i i really enjoyed this song when i first heard uh, the album because it's actually it's really supposed to be an homage to both in the flesh by Pink Floyd uh, from the Wall which is also a concept album and Five Years uh, David Bowie's uh, Ziggy Stardust uh, it actually sounds almost identical to Five Years for the first like thirty seconds there mm. uh, and and this album is full of Gerard Way having his like homage to a lot of these. Uh, concept albums from the 70s and 80s but yeah brendan what, what, what's your uh, we had, we didn't actually ask and i guess it'll tie into with this this song but what, what was your kind of first experience with the black parade playing dead and teenager on guitar hero 2 <laughs> nice because <laughs> I, I i grew up without like we didn't my parents didn't own a cd player right <laughs> and we didn't and i didn't control the music in the car so like i didn't get into music myself until like high school mid high school so that was like a big formative yeah. journey for me but playing guitar hero 2 at friends houses and it's like oh these are really cool i should check out this album oh i can find it at hmb <laughs> i don't think i knew that about you back up a second you didn't have a cd player in your house until you were in high school Your grandparents why would i 
<laughs> you know, immigrant parents can still listen no, to this. Just, my mom would listen to like Bollywood music and my dad's like turn that stuff off. <laughs> well, your dad famously, as we know, loves uh, Low by... Um, uh, <laughs> Low Rider? <laughs> yeah. He just, Interesting. He likes, he's like, the, the bass is good for this. And I'm like, this is out of nowhere. Okay. We could have listened to so much music as a kid. That's so, that's, I mean, like, <laughs> for lack of a better term, I'm sorry, that's so foreign to me. Like, just like my, my, I, I'm sorry, that's the only word I can think of. But just like my parents had like CDs, records, A tracks, like everything. Like, it's so weird to think like CDs, I've been around my entire life. Like, I can't remember a time before knowing what a CD was. So that's crazy. Um, that like, it's neat though, because we've talked a lot about on this podcast, how video games are a great way for a lot of people young and coming from different countries to discover popular music through, Mm -hmm. uh, Tony Hawk pro skater, um, the NHL hits games and other sports games and guitar hero being the main one. Um, I'd forgotten that, uh, MCR were in, uh, guitar hero. Was it two? You said, I remember dead for sure. I forgot teenagers was in there. I'm pretty sure dead and teenagers. It might've been in one of the the first rock band as well, though. I'm not sure. I get confused. Maybe. I think it was Guitar Hero. I think you're right with that. That one, they, they got yeah, but you are right. Like, uh, but for first time, I, like I use my PlayStation Two as a CD player. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. That's what it doubled as for everyone: a DVD player, CD player, and then it was a PS2. But yeah, the the end is a great way to start the album. It's really cool. It gets really loud. Um, starts off soft, like I said before. Uh, I love it. It's one of actually the first songs that I learned how to play on acoustic guitar. Uh, when I got back into it in high school, I was like, oh, this is actually a very easy song to play. G minor. Uh, yeah, G minor. Like, it's really <laughs> quick. It's like three or four chords. Um, and, like, you can impress any emo kid with it, basically. And most people will sing along to it. It's it's really fun to play, actually. Now come on, come all to this tragic affair. Wipe off that makeup, what's in is despair. So throw on the black dress, mix in with the lot. You might wake up and notice you're someone you're not. If you look in the mirror and don't like what you see, you can find out firsthand what it's like to be me. So gather around, piggies, and kiss this goodbye. I'd encourage your smiles. I'd expect you won't cry. It's a great song and a great lead into because this whole album is uh, uh, technically is supposed to be that kind of one song uh, kind of track going through the whole thing where everything leads into each other very well and the end leads right into dead because uh, Patience now dead. That that transition is so good though. I, oh I never, my god. I was like Neil where I hadn't heard it for so long until I listened to the full album mm-hmm. and it's a really underrated transition, I think. Oh my god, it's so cool! It's I can't imagine listen. I can't imagine listening to the end and not dead right after. It doesn't yeah. work. <laughs> that flat line is so perfect. Um, and you said it, Mike. I, I I thought I thought for sure as well that that was when the patient had died in the story. But I was reading about like the whole concept of it, and apparently that's not when the patient is dead. That's just like when they're kind of like they feel dead, even though they're not. They've been mm-hmm. given two weeks to live. That's the lyric. Is uh there's a part in the lyric where he says you've been given just two weeks to live and then it goes into the, um, the guitar yeah yeah that's the guitar solo part so i think that the flat line is meant to be like kind of the shock of finding out that you're dying hmm. um and then that's how like the next couple songs go how it's more the patient kind of coming to terms with the fact that they're dying uh they don't actually die until like halfway through the album or something like that
This song kicks ass. I love it. It's so cool. Uh, like Brandon said, the perfect transition from the end into um, that's the one guitar, and then the really cool intro um, really shows off uh, the guitar player's work. I love like this entire song from start to finish is a guitar song. Like it barely even needs the vocals, and they actually get so much better uh, with Gerard Way. And again, this is just another one of those songs that I did not hear until way later because it, it this song did have a music video which was actually really good yeah but i didn't hear it it wasn't this was definitely not a radio song it was more just a song that i heard and was blown away on uh, christmas morning when i got this song uh when i got this album uh for christmas morning but how about you brandon how did you do playing this song on guitar hero 2 did you uh get to an expert level <laughs> this is the one of the few songs that i could get an expert level because mm. it's actually ridiculously easy <laughs> mm. it just four four rhythms like we can it's it's a very good training song, I would say. Okay. Because I was garbage before that. <laughs> this is the song that you play like to get warmed up for through fire and flames, basically. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that, that never. We'll see. <laughs> We're still working on that. Guitar Hero Five. It's okay. That's right. It does exist. Guitar Hero Five. Maybe. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Shoot. You made a joke. <laughs> How about you, Mike? What do you think of Dead, the second track on the album? It's such a it's such a banger. Like you guys, you guys basically covered it. Like it's it really gets you into the rest of the album. Uh, I I love playing it, and I love playing the end and dead together. Like mm-hmm. it, like it. I feel like I can't play those two songs without each other. Both perfect like initial songs for for an album. Like they would fit anywhere, and uh, they lead in uh, pretty well for how I disappear. It leads in really nicely to how I disappear. Yeah, this song, it's, it's, this is a song that I kind of forget about sometimes, honestly. It's one of the more, uh, like, under, I guess, appreciated songs on the album for me. It's still really fun to listen to. This is, uh, in terms of the story, this is the patient's reaction to the news that he's dying. Uh, he will obviously eventually disappear from the world, um, and he's going to live out his last days, and he's hoping that he goes to heaven. Uh, there's a theory that the uh, patient was in a war at some point, and that is heavily um, referenced again in the song Mama, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And he's reminiscing a lot on like his sins from being in the war, um, which I guess makes sense. Um, but we'll get more into that with House of Wolves and Mama. This is just another really good song. This is a bit more of a sing-along song, a little bit less of uh, heavy guitars from uh, Ray and uh, Frankie in this one, but still really good to listen to. And again, Dead leads really into This Is How I Disappear and then really well again into the next song on the record. But how about you, Brandon? What were uh, your memories of hearing this song for the first time? Not in Guitar Hero 2, but when you finally got the CD. (laughs) Honestly, for This Is How I Disappear, I, I skipped it a lot. Well, you're trying to get to that next song on the album, which is a really good song with the sharpest lines. That's the main problem. It's just, yeah. it's where it's positioned on the album. It's like, okay, I've heard you a couple times. I'm gonna need you to go second over. I 100 percent agree. Yeah, because yeah. you have the end, you have dead, and then you have sharpest lives and black parade, and it's like it's it's a tough place to be when you're when you're put between like four really really good songs like that. I. I I definitely skipped over it probably a couple times, but, like, the one thing I didn't really know too much about was the story, even, like, before um, researching about this episode. Like, Brendan, how much of the story did you take in from the lyrics? Or did you just 
completely have no idea what was going on other than like the, <laughs> the welcome to the parade or welcome to the black parade music video so this is a fun thing about me is that lyrics are very difficult for me to listen to like i mainly rhythm rhythmic and everything that's why i listen to so much foreign music mm. but um as a especially as a drummer like i focus on melodies and everything else um if i really really like a song then eventually i, I, I it will start to sink in lyrics but right it's not one of them yeah, I feel like most of the songs on here, I didn't really like. Like you did mention, how there are like there was the the music video for mm-hmm. Dead Neil, that like the music videos for this. I think like we've talked about albums a lot, obviously on this podcast, and and the music videos are just more like fun ones. Like we talked about Lincoln Park and like the Gundam music videos and like stuff like that, and uh, from Meteora. Like they they're fun, but they don't necessarily go with the theme all the time. Where these music videos were very much had to go with the story and tell a story mm-hmm. uh, alongside that. So the only part of the story that I really knew is because of the Welcome to the Black Parade music video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the anchor, really. Like the rest of the music videos don't have much to do with the concept of the album, really. Like Dead, they're playing. It's they're wearing all black on a white background. I think is the majority of it. A lot of these music videos are just them performing live in in some place. Yeah. Like there's no character other mm-hmm. than the Black Welcome to the Black Parade. There's no like reference to the story at all. You really have to dig apart the lyrics, like read the lyric book, watch interviews, listen to the band talk about the the words that they're. They singing. did a lot of interviews. Dang. They they did, and they they had they their did. alter egos going as well. They weren't they weren't My Chemical Romance in uh in, in their interviews. They were pretending to be a marching band, basically the Black Parade. Who were from Italy? Really? Fun fact: the the band that they're pretending to be or role playing as the Black Parade is canonically from Italy. Oh, I oh, did not know that. I did not. I guess know that, that makes sense, but uh, they don't look. At- Only Gerard Way knew that. Brennan dropping some hot <laughs> facts. They don't look too Italian, but <laughs> I think Gerard Way. Well, I mean, uh, they do have Frankie and uh, uh, and Mike. You know, Frankie's got mm-hmm. a pretty Italian name, Frankie Iero. So uh, I, I guess he's, uh, I guess the, the the founder of the Black Braid. In that <laughs> he's sense, the Godfather of the Black Braid. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's. <laughs> But no, yeah, you're right. Like definitely understanding the concept of the album is, is difficult. I remember like this was kind of one of those schoolyard in high school, schoolyard rumors where it's like, you know, it's a concept album. And I was like, no way. Um, because I only heard like three songs <laughs> off the record, which is like, you know, the Black Parade and uh, like Dead and Teenagers. Like you only hear pieces of it. You don't hear it from start to finish till I finally had it. And this is how I disappeared, transitioned really well again into The Sharpest Lives, which uh, I remember somebody showed me this song uh, on an iPod, but we shared a headphone. This is my first memory of hearing this song. <laughs> we we, okay. we did that thing where, you know, when you share a headpiece uh, in your phone back in like the mid 2000s, everyone did it. And you'd only hear half the song. This is not the album that you want to share headphones with because you're going to miss. No. And this intro only plays in one of the ear, one side of your ears. So I couldn't <laughs> hear what he was hearing. And he's like, right? And I'm like, I can only hear the lyrics. What are you talking about? And then I find, like, it was just like, I only heard half the song for the first time ever hearing the song. But then when I finally did hear the complete version of the song with the uh, really distorted down, like, downstroke um, verses, and then the um, the chorus itself is really cool. Well, it rains and it pours when you're out on your own. If I crash on the couch, can I sleep in my clothes? I spent the night dancing, I'm drunk, I suppose. If it looks like I'm laughing, I'm really just asking to leave. This alone, you're in time for the show. You're the one that I need. I'm the one that you loathe. You can watch me this song is awesome. I love The Sharpest Lives. It's one of the first 
one of the first songs on this album that I heard that wasn't a music video, I think. And it was really mm. cool to hear. And, and the song is about the patient's downward spiral into his living days. And he's getting kind of on edge. He's getting kind of angry and a bit aggressive. And this is that song, basically. But what about you guys? Do you have any? We'll start with you, Brandon. How, how is the rhythm in The uh, the Sharpest Lives? Does, does this song have good drums? It's great drums. Very consistent. Um, <laughs> what I like okay. about this one is just that it's so totally different from the first three. Like, it just... This album... Mm-hmm. Yeah. With, with Dead, you could foresee an album that's very upbeat and charismatic like that. But this is like, it's almost a transition between mm-hmm. how upbeat and paced uh, Dead is and then how more serious uh, the next song after Sharpest Life is, which is the album name song, Welcome to the Black Parade. Yeah, I mean, that's that's actually a really good point because you're absolutely right. You, you kind of have this album broken into quarters, mm-hmm. so to speak. There, You have Dead, uh, the, you have the end Dead, and this is how I disappear. And then you have like the next three, which are, are much different tonally, or totally different songs. Um, and yeah, Sharpest Lives, it's got that, like you mentioned, like that distorted downstroke, uh, the, the kind of like the little, like almost screams too, that, that Gerard Way will do. He, he also has a a different character voice in there too. Gerard Way has a bunch of different, almost, uh, voices, I guess. Yeah. Like character voices throughout this album that he really plays into that I love. Uh, and I think he does a great job at and Sharpest Lives, it's, it's evident there as well. And yeah, it's, it's such a. It's such a driving song <laughs> until the end too. Like the do, 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 yeah. do, do, like that's, uh, it, it's such a, like, yeah, Brendan said it perfectly. I can't even, I can't <laughs> do more justice than what Brendan said. It's basically just that it has such a different sound and it, and it really is ushering you into the next phase. It is. And the one thing I do not want to say about this quarter or this uh, third of the album is that like a lot of these songs paint a picture really well with the words. Yeah. Like with the first three songs, they're kind of uh, they could be interpreted in different ways. Like you can't you don't really exactly know what's going on with the sharpest lives. That song tells a story. Like I remember when, like, again, the first time I heard it, listening to the, the verses and the chorus and everything like he's describing exactly what the patient is going through and what the patient is doing. And and like they're describing, you know, like the rain and, and like crashing on the couch and just like, you know, just like random sentences that like just all flow together so well and just describe exactly what's going on in the scenes that like I felt like with this song like you don't need a music video because I feel like it would just be too heavy-handed the song explains itself perfectly and like you said Mike the song kind of dies at the end it just slows down and then doesn't fade out but it just abruptly ends and then we hear that iconic piano intro that is uh, like I said iconic to this day it's the emo anthem that everybody knows it's uh it's a- just, it's the first try on hurdle every single time right <laughs> it's the what do you, know, do you remember hurdle it's the it's wordle but for songs where they just play a snippet of a oh, song oh okay I see the reference now. Okay, yeah, you're right, though. It is. like I feel like if you just play that one note on a piano, everybody knows the song that you're about to play. This is MCR's biggest song, most successful. Uh, it's the song that launched them into that mainstream success where they had this song played on the radio multiple times a day. It's a it's a perfect rock ballad opera song. Uh, it still holds up. I listen to this song on a very regular basis. It's on my, uh, my driving playlist. I love it. Um, I remember hearing this song for the first time in grade eight. I still hear it today. I was listening to it on the drive home, getting ready for this podcast, and I was still getting into it. The the slow intro, the uh, the amazing chorus, the amazing second verses and third verse and guitar solos and everything. And what the song's about, it's really cool. It's This is when the patient is uh, collecting his memories of going to a... He's uh, recollecting his memories of being a child, going to the parade with his dad. When I was a young boy, my father took me into the city 
to see a marching band. He said, Son, when you grow up, would you be the savior of the broken, the beaten, and the damned? He said, Will you defeat them, your demons, and all the non believers? The plans And this is what Gerard Way was getting at with this whole record, was it's uh, it's how people come to terms with dying, and it's how death kind of comes to you in your most treasured childhood memory way, um, which is a really interesting concept and uh, a very emo theme for sure, because everybody loves thinking about death when they're uh, painting their eyes black and wearing all black to school in the middle of June. Um, so this is that song. This is the anchor of the album. It's what the album was named after. And uh, <laughs> what about you, Brandon? What comes to mind when you uh, think of the Black Parade? This is the quintessential because the the thing is like I was also in marching band in high school. Oh man! So this was like identity. I'm like we can, we can get our uniforms to look like theirs too. Maybe well ours we don't have uniforms, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe <laughs> you could have gotten uniforms like that if our school just had an extra fifty thousand dollars lying around. You too could have had those types of uh, those types of uniforms that we see in the uh, in the album artwork and in the music video that they do for it. It's iconic song like i said before but how about you mike what do you what do you think of the black parade after uh, 17 years oh man well we're gonna spend the next 20 minutes probably talking about probably this. so everyone everyone strap in because this is the quintessential most iconic song of this generation it's absolutely the bohemian rhapsody of the era as well you know which is often compared to it's also only grown in success and stature like Bre- uh, brennan mentioning like it's the first try on on hurdle like uh, that that just gives you an example of like how universal this um this song really has become and, and to people much younger than us too like people uh love MCR for this reason of them kind of carrying this torch for that uh uh so many different uh so many different groups so many different cultures really as well like this this really ascended everything uh the black parade so many different musical cues in here too like it 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 obviously is like a rock song uh to the core but it has a lot of different variations in music theory and we're going to talk a little bit about the song structure and how unusually structured it is for a uh a single for a first single also mind you you know this was the first single that my chemical romance put out for the black parade and that's a that's a bold choice. You know, you're coming from uh, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. You got things like Helena. You got I'm Not Okay. Those are super just like rocking emo songs, right? Like those mm-hmm. make sense as singles. And then you come out, okay, we got a new album coming out. Here's our five minute, 11 uh, second song uh, for a single. And uh, and yeah, it's going to start off with 30 seconds of just piano. Mm-hmm. So what do you think, record producer? <laughs> yeah, not not a not a radio friendly song by today's standards. And I didn't realize back in the day when they would play the song on the radio that they had a radio edit of it because they take out um, Gerard kind of quote unquote screaming. There's kind of a pre-chorus that they take out when he's um, when he yeah. was basically re-screaming the when I was a young boy, my father. Like he does the part right before it goes oh, into the ring out into the chorus. That's the best part. Um, they took that out because uh, I guess it, that might have actually been like maybe it made the song too long or it's just there's usually no screaming on the radio in songs for the most part. Not like that anyway. So they had to cut it down. But I remember hearing that. It is a long song. It is a long song. You're Five right. It, it's, yeah. it's too long by today's standards. Most radio hits are less than three minutes for sure. Uh, but you're right, Mike. This is an interesting first choice as being like the song to sell 
uh, to the radio because like it's the what four or five slow piano notes that just ring out um, perfectly. Uh, I like the way you said it though. This is the this is our Bohemian Rhapsody. It's the song that if anybody ever asked you what was the emo era, like you would show them this song. Like this is the that North Star, whatever you call it, like that keystone to the emo uh, movement in the 2000s. This is the song that every band would love to have. Everybody would want to have a Black Parade, that song that everybody can point to, and it never gets old. And I think that it's only growing in popularity with young people because of TikTok. Honestly, like you'll see this song pop up and being and get used in uh, TikTok trends like you know, people just play that one note and then like they turn from like a quote unquote normal looking person to an emo person. And that's, that's the whole joke <laughs> just from hearing it. Uh, people have done covers of it. It's the most covered My Chemical Romance song. I think people make spoofs about it. It's the most easily transferable song to change the lyrics to. There's some really funny ones out there. So I think just as technology progresses and as time goes on, this, this album's only going to get bigger because of this song. I have a lot of trivia about the the filming of the music videos for this. Oh, yes. Oh, but, yeah, um, when you were saying TikTok trends, like I remember one of my favorites is um, the transition of Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is you into the beginning chorus of When I Was a Young Boy. <laughs> <laughs> they, they time it and it sings really well. <laughs> oh, that's that's really perfect. Good. I've seen a couple. I've seen a couple of MCR and Mike my, uh, Mariah Carey uh, crossovers. They work really well for some reason. It's, they it's also awesome. did the the MCR version of All I Want for Christmas. That's a thing. Yeah, <laughs> they did. Yeah. That's true. Maybe that's why yeah, that probably. exists, honestly, that, that tie over. That's um, funny. I, I, before you get into the music video, because I do want to talk about that as a whole separate thing, I do want to talk about the structure and the music theory of this song, because <laughs> there is a lot to break down here. And of, uh, of course, we brought Brendan on because he loves this album, but he also because he's a, he's a band kid. And, uh, and, and he can talk about some, some of this, but let's, let's talk about the structure for a second, Brennan. Like what makes this such a unique song, like in terms of structure? I think part of what it, it sells at is it takes its time to do its pacing correctly. Like there's lots of buildups, lots of breakdowns, lots of slowdowns, but it never rushes itself. Like a lot of modern music wants to do. It just, it says, Hey, we are unapologetically taking this time. It is needed. Every second is needed. Every slow piano note, every, just Gerard Way talking, that is all needed yeah. to appreciate the variance and differences, right? Yeah, and it's even the dynamics in it too that are like, like how many times do you see actual dynamics in songs like nowadays? Like, like it's usually just loud, you know, or, or soft, and that's about it. So it's cool to see this. This and most we get a key change some, once in a while, but. and and we do get a key change in uh, in uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Welcome to the Black Parade, which is fantastic after the kind of pre-chorus, I guess you could call it. Uh, going into the last chorus that has a key change, but I will break down the, the little structure here. We have the intro, we have verse one, uh, which is uh, the time change. Also, having an intro in a song, having an intro in a single is absolutely nutty. Uh, like very, very rarely will ever see that. Honestly, Bohemian Rhapsody is like the only one I can think of off the top of my head as a single that does that. Maybe uh, Stairway to Heaven. You break it up as a separate track, right? Exactly. The intro really becomes mm-hmm. its own little thing. But yeah, the there is a full-off intro, as we talked about with the piano. Verse 1, that does have that time change that gets a lot faster. We have the chorus. We have verse 2, chorus again. And then the bridge uh, changes key. And uh, uh, a bit of a time change as well there with the on and on, you know, that that's that's mm-hmm. a, a, mm-hmm. one of my favorite parts. I think they really excel at the bridges in this album. And then we have that breakdown. I, I Some people will call it bridge two. Um, <laughs> some people will call it pre-chorus. It's the do or die. You never meant like that. That's yeah. that that part. And that yeah. has the time change as well. 
from uh, the bridge and the chorus, and that's when we get leading into that beautiful key change. It's, it's them singing in a round, right? So it's like yes, yeah, and, and a round. We have a round going on <laughs> in a in a pop song uh, like that. Another like a lot of, a lot of this album, and especially the the back half now that we're going to start getting to, has a lot of these influence of musicals and cabaret and stuff like that like Gerard Way was very influenced by this kind of stuff and and you really feel that that uh musical element of it like I I wouldn't be surprised if we ever see Welcome to the Black Parade become a musical because it, it really feels like it has all the all the chops to become one I would love to see the audience at that at that <laughs> musical it would be so much fun to go to that honestly it would be like going to the Cursed Child with the Harry Potter fans but just a bunch of emo kids yeah. oh, oh my god I want that now that'd be listen, such a cool listen, musical listen. too I saw MCR live last year, and you guess did. what the audience was? Exactly that. <laughs> it was amazing. Because it was mostly people my age and your, our, our age, just <laughs> yep. everybody like rehashing emo phase out of, but not having it like your proper emo costume. So you making makeshift stuff, and then... <laughs> hey, you had a proper emo costume. You looked great. I mean... I did not have the one I had in high school. Okay, that was this was new for this. <laughs> I am heavily out of practice too. But it was a special occasion, so it was perfectly <laughs> oh, yeah. fine. You had remastered emo uh, outfit, which, which honestly, I remastered <laughs> eyeliner. That's what yeah. that was nice. <laughs> and that's uh, you know, welcome to the Black Parade. Uh, the song really uh, it, it it does everything perfectly in terms of showcasing their personas. As well and showcasing the the all the band like the logos the 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 sepia tone everything about this uh, is perfectly portrayed in this uh, song and all, of course in the music video uh, the music video mm-hmm. I was mentioning before it it, it uh, really is the whole story to this whole album is basically mm-hmm. in yeah. the music video you see the patient dying then you see him marching in this parade with Gerard Way and Co and uh, and Brendan yeah some trivia I want to hear some of this trivia of this uh, this great music video. Well, so uh, earlier Neil, Neil commented on how it was. It seemed like a strange choice to release the single, but I think it was actually marketing genius to release this as the first single to radio mm-hmm. because of specifically how much work they put into the music video. So the music video, they filmed this plus Famous Last Words together over two days. Oh. Wow. So they filmed them back to back. And the big thing is that this music video, it cements the aesthetic for the entire album and uh i i think for the fandom at the time like the, you want to show them a, a music video you want this on mtv so having it on radio to drive it home is like oh i know this i'll watch the full thing oh it's way better than i thought oh my god this is amazing because the, they actually had all the costumes designed by colleen atwood who um she was a costume she's a very famous costume designer and designed for Edward Scissorhands, Sleepy Hollow, uh, Alice in Wonderland, like they, they're very renowned. Yeah. Makes sense, yeah. Yeah, I mean. and yeah, I, I think it, it was it was part of this album's success was doing Black Parade as the first radio single to push how the MV because then you get your album sales off of just that alone. Honestly, that's a good point, and I think it is like important to remember in two thousand six. Music videos still mattered. <laughs> like yeah, they, yeah. they they still did carry a lot of weight. We talked to earlier uh, earlier episode on the Jimmy World episode about, and you might remember this too, Brennan, about like mm-hmm. things like Much Music, where you would have to text what song you wanted to see played on Much Music. Yep. Like that was the only way that you got to hear uh, Much Music songs. Was- Canada only? It or? was Canada only, but I mean, much okay. music, MTV, it's all the same yeah. programming. It's all 
music videos all around the clock yeah. with the lovely Leah Miller, who I still love to this day. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Makes so much more sense now, now that you said like the tie-in with Tim Burton. Like it definitely looks like something from mm-hmm. one of those Edward Scissorhands, Sleepy Hollow kind of movies. One one thing, uh, Gerard Way, he purposely this is his claim is he needed he to get in character with the patient. So that's why he decided to dye his hair full bleach blonde white and cut it super short so that he felt like in the patient's shoes. And he did that for the, all the interviews and all the press tours and all and this music video, first and foremost. Yeah, his hair goes from white and then it goes back to black, the, the Gerard way that mm-hmm. we know. Still short, but he does got yeah, a couple of the yes. music videos. I think it's, which ones now? I think it's the this one, the Black Parade, uh, and then Famous Last Words. Like you said, the ones that they filmed back to back. They had to get it all in before his hair grew back in and it no longer looked <laughs> gold anymore, yeah. I guess. I, I think his phrasing was, um, I, I looked in the mirror and I it look I look super sick and I'm like, perfect. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, he de- like, like that was kind of the thing too with like the eyeliner as well. Like they've really pronounced Pronounced eyeliner mm-hmm. that he has on, and uh, and you know you have to remember this was the time of of when bands really started to kind of hone in their on their image and use logos and and imagery to start selling their Fonts. album font exactly like now you see it so much more but it really didn't exist around this time mm-hmm. uh, the one that I really think of and I've you know mentioned the album a couple times already but American Idiot. With that was Green Day really trying yes. to reinvent themselves, right? Of like black, red, white. That is all we're gonna wear. That's all all our merchandise is gonna have. Posters, everything is just gonna be black, red, red white. Very little green. Yeah, very little <laughs> yeah, green. Yeah, true. weirdly. <laughs> but that was that was such a that was such a, a a conscious thing to do. And you know, obviously, American Idiot was big because of the the music, because of the themes, and because of the, the really the pop sensibilities of it. But it also was big because of the their image. You know, you could instantly. <laughs> be like oh that's green day you know, i know that, that them right away i, I know what the, they look like i know they have those logos i know they the heart hand grenade logo like come on like everyone yeah. knows mm-hmm. that and black parade uh mcr obviously saw this and and uh i think you could see that they saw the success of helena and how much like effort they put into artwork for art for that music mm-hmm. video yes and then they realized like okay we, this is a direct to hot topic funneling engine we need to <laughs> <laughs> that's a push this as much as we can that's a great point i didn't actually think of that because yeah that helena video is very produced and mm-hmm. like very it seems not what MC, you know, it's almost a short film yeah. it is almost a short film and and so it is, is about because it's about his grandmother helena uh yeah. and and so you know it's a very sentimental thing for sure and uh for a band that had just come off an album that sold a hundred thousand copies like it feels like a huge step making Helena and and really the the next step from that was certainly Welcome to the Black Parade, which yeah, they achieved here for sure. And just lyrically too, like real quick before we move on to the next song, like this this song has such amazing lyrics that again, it's like it's hard to believe that it made it to the radio because it, it's it's a song about death, it's a song about dying, they talk about bodies in the streets, but it's just like going to the like just it's hard to pick like the best line in this song, but like just to pick one out of the hat here, it's like just a man, I'm not a hero, I'm just a boy who had to sing this song. Just a man, I'm not a hero, I don't care. Like just like that one alone is really cool. And then they went to their next album where their hit song was na 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 I think that was the issue. Was like we went from this amazing poetic, beautiful work of art of this album to the next album, which again had a few decent enough songs on it but like their hit song on that one was not anything close to the, a very very different album for sure but the black parade an amazing single uh everyone at this point our age for sure has heard it if you know any young people out there uh your kids nieces nephews show them the cd show them that song because we need to keep this this album alive and uh 
and uh, it holds up. It's our culture. It, it, it is our culture. <laughs> That's the one thing I need to say too. We're about halfway yeah. through this record. This album holds up so damn well. Like, yeah. it still sounds like a record that you'd hear that got made today better than most albums that got made today. But it's not like listening to something that's. There's a lot of stuff from 20 years ago that sounds horrible. Um, this this album sounds crystal clear today. Oh, and the sequencing of it too. Like you used to talk about how being we're being like halfway through. Like, it would be easy to put the Black Parade. Even the first song on the yeah. album, right? It, but the first song, you put the last song. Oh, yeah. Well, like, putting in the yeah. middle proves how confident they were in it, right? But it makes sense in the story. That's the point, is that the patient at this point is dead. Um, yes. Uh, but a lot of, like, a lot of record, you know, nowadays especially, a lot of singles and a lot of record producers, they want everything, the first two tracks of the album, right? Yeah. Are just like, you want to get those through, and then that. the rest are not non-singles. But it's great to have it, you know, the fifth song here. And, and but on the lyrics, Neil... Uh, you're absolutely right. There are amazing lyrics in this song. And the one thing and the mark of a great concept album is to have themes and lyrics that are really universal. Because you can have really obtuse concept albums that you can't really relate to, right? Like, that definitely can happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they do a great job with this one. Like, they they don't go too detailed on, like, the patient and his old backstory. It's very ambiguous. It's very easy for anyone to kind of relate to. And, I mean, who hasn't gone through things and being yeah. able to triumphantly say, we'll carry on? Mm-hmm. at the top of their lungs right like being able to say that when gerard hits the, the final carry on is just such a like oh like yeah you feel so good you just want to scream it as loud as you can i'm sure everyone did at the at the concert brennan uh, oh my god just... <laughs> oh, it was so beautiful uh... <laughs> I will say, though, I think what you were talking before about um, how, like, the song has very serious subject matter. I think the pacing of the lyrics is very smart because we go into the really uh, dark and, uh, like, sad thoughts. And you, you, I think, like, parents at the time must have been like, okay, this is getting a little concerning. And then <laughs> chorus hits, we'll carry on. We'll carry on. Okay, it's fine. It's yeah, fine. Don't yeah, worry about it. It's upbeat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing that this album, like Mike said before, this album covers a lot of themes that most people can relate to with like, like death, sadly, like that's something that we all know, like people being sick, people losing people and like love, like that's another thing too, which the next song gets to. Yeah, let's let's move on from one of the greatest songs ever to I Don't Love You, which is I always found a bit of a strange transition because of that kind of almost jangly guitar that starts it <laughs> off. Uh, uh, but it's it's still a great song and I do love it. Yeah, it's a, it's a good little song. This is like definitely one of the more like all the emo kids were listening to this one for sure. Like if you had the Black Parade, you had to listen to uh, you had to listen to I Don't Love You. This is the one that you walk around feeling sad that your crush doesn't love you. Um, but this is uh, this is the patient thinking back on some kind of a lost love that they had in the past. Obviously, whatever it was did not work out uh, based on the lyrics. Uh, probably pretty horrible and heartbreaking. And it's something that, like I said before, it's something that a lot of people out there could relate to, especially uh, let's face it, this album is uh, targeted towards teenagers and all teenagers are going what? through really emotional ups and downs in high school and and that includes breakups. So this is an ex- uh, extremely relatable song and uh, the music video, 
is really weird. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's basically like a, uh, two people. I think the entire music video is just two people. Um, and then the band performing. And the, it always freaked me out because the people in this music video have really big eyes. Yeah. That's all I that's all I think about when I think about this song is like these kind of these anime looking people with their giant eyes. Yeah, that's that's also kind of what I I associate with this song now as well as is that music video and those the big eyes. I really like it. I like the verse specifically. It, it could easily have just been that uh, kind of twangy guitar throughout the entire verse. But uh, Frankie, I think, is the one who's doing like a really cool riff throughout the verses that I remember trying to learn in high school. But it's actually really hard. Um, I, for some reason, could never figure out how to play this song on guitar. I could do the intro that uh, that Ray is doing. Uh, but uh, the Frankie parts are really difficult to do. And it's just a really emotional song. I like it a lot. Um it's a, uh, it's like an angry kind of anti-love song, and it's, uh, it's really cool. But Mike, I think you had another uh, thing to say about this one. Oh yeah, sorry. So I, I, I also, I do like the, the, yeah, the twanginess almost. The guitar is like, it's, it's a really it's clean. It's clean. It's a very clean guitar song. There's a good, good little guitar battle going on there too, almost with the, the solo and, mm-hmm. uh, and the guitars before that. But I did want to mention that the music video was directed by none other than Mark Webb. Who actually directed a bunch of the oh. other MCR music videos uh, before he he did the Helena music video as well, oh, okay. uh, which makes sense. Uh, Mark Webb, of course, uh, a uh, very good director. He directed the Amazing Spider-Man uh, films, which oh they're okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're, they're they're gaining popularity over the years, much like the prequel trilogy do. We saw the first one in theaters; that one was okay. Second one, eh. yeah. they're probably gonna make a third one at some point. Who the hell knows? But uh, well, it's it's more people like realizing that oh. They can, they can, Andrew, they can use Andrew Garfield well, so maybe give him another shot. <laughs> yes, it would be nice to have him get another shot. Maybe after seeing, let's just get all three of them together again. But uh, he also did Five Hundred Days of Summer. That was his uh, his other Ooh. big uh, um, big movie that Mark Webb directed. And Five Hundred Days of Summer, uh, and then MCR, <laughs> very it's pretty good, pretty good resume. Oh, good resume. It's just funny to like. I just think of Five Hundred Days of Summer. I think of the Smiths, you know, depressing lyrics, mm. and then we have like. You know, depressing lyrics and I don't love you. I'm like, yeah, this checks out. Good job, Mark. Yeah, he's an emo kid at heart, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. I like when the Amazing Spider-Man movies were announced and everyone thought that he was going to nail a Spider-Man movie just because his last name was Webb. It's Webb, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, he can't fail. <laughs> but I Don't Love You does go into a really neat song. The next one here was some good drums. So, Brandon, you're up next. And that is House of Wolves, mm-hmm. which is when the patient is hoping like hell that he's forgiven for his sins in life. Again, he was probably in a war and probably a war criminal, honestly. But yeah, this song is uh, really dark, uh, really moody, and has really neat uh, drums. I don't know how to describe it. And Brandon, you're the drummer in the group here. So uh, talk to us about House of Wolves. What do you think about this one? It, it, I would say it's also really, it's really ex- like exciting and upbeat. And it, I think it's a good mm-hmm. follow-up to Dead, honestly. And I think that they purposely did that and they want to interspace it and separate them for further away in the track list. But like they both have the same, very similar attitude, I think, in terms musically, um, especially with the hard drums and everything. But oh yeah, yeah, it's I, a bang. I really like it. Uh, this would actually be fun to have on like Guitar Hero uh, mm-hmm. to play this, or even like I guess Rock Band when you have the yeah. Full, yeah. the full band, the full kit. I, I think this is a little trio, like Dead, House of Wolves, Teenagers. 
Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Those would be like I'd say maybe the hardest bangers on on this album. Yeah, House of Wolves is a great track. It, it's it, this is like the lyrics. This is one that I never paid attention to the lyrics for, and I, I try to pay attention to a lot of them. Like next one up, Cancer, definitely paying attention to that. House of Wolves is hard them. though. Gerard Way is like a little kind of like an auctioneer voice, and how he's like spitting out them really fast. <laughs> Yes, exactly. It seems like he's playing the different characters in this one a bit, too. He's having mm-hmm. his... That's a good... I like that description, auctioneer voice. He definitely does sound like that. Yeah. And he's got like the, the effects on his voice as well uh, throughout it. Yeah, it's just, it's just a banger. It's just yeah. a good song. And they talk about sinning, too. It's like, ooh, should I be listening to this? I don't know. My parents are going to be mad. <laughs> I better quickly change the track to Cancer, because that's a better song to let my parents hear me <laughs> listening to, which is the uh, next track on the album. And it's uh, a stripped-down My Chemical Romance song. It's pretty much just a piano and Gerard Way, really nice song actually. And this is obviously about the patient who we find out is dying of cancer. And that's why he's only been given two weeks to live and um, really sad, emotional song. I love this one. It's really neat to hear it live. Um, It's a good break in the album, especially after House of Wolves, which is super upbeat, very chaotic. This one is very much like a take a breath and and, uh, get emotional for a minute. I love this one. I remember watching it. I think I actually heard this one the first time watching The Black Parade is Dead. Uh, yeah, which is their, album. their yeah. live album in Mexico, which is a really cool live album. Again, another do- dead uh, art from the uh, the 2000s, along with from, along with music videos, is uh, live DVDs, which were really fun. And this is one of those that was really cool. I remember watching it on an iPod, but hearing Cancer for the first time was really cool. Love this song. I still listen to it. I don't skip it, despite how sad it makes me feel sometimes. But uh, how about you, Brandon? Did you listen to this one or was this another uh, skipped song? No, no, this one I did listen to because uh, you said it's a break for most everybody in the album. It's a break for everyone except Gerard Way because True. he is belting. Yeah. Like his, the vocal performance here is very, very good. <laughs> yeah. Over the top, I would say. Like he's, he, uh, I'm just so impressed with him <laughs> at all times. The, yeah. This is, this is the dramatic, you know, this is, if, if you're watching a musical, you know, this is the dramatic part where the lead is singing kind of thing. Like, who has the ballad? You got to have the ballad in here at some point. This is the perfect place for it. Like you said, Neil, right after House of Wolves, right after the the hardest part. There, you need the you need a little come down area, and uh, I think Cancer is fantastic to to hear like that. also heard it for the first time the same way you did neil on the black parade is dead the live album hearing it in mexico and hearing a hundred thousand people uh sing along uh to that song and sing the song for gerard way for the most part honestly uh which is really incredible to see how everyone knows this song and i i i'm assuming did they play cancer when you saw them brennan um let me see i have the set list same somewhere yeah well you should. This should I be know. A core you should memory. definitely remember cancer. No, I don't. I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. think they did. That's why. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I want to believe they did, but I don't. I think they no, had to I play Scarecrow it. off of Danger Days in order to make space for kids. <laughs> well, that's the thing. They had to do Scarecrow and Destroyer and Kids from Yesterday. So like, Danger Days. 
you you can't put cancer next to danger. No, it doesn't hold a candle. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, Mike, you mentioned it before mm-hmm. that like you know you got to have the ballad. This was their first one. Like their first two albums didn't have one really. They're... Oh no, I mean for a, a musical oh, yes. sort like a, a an album that's basically trying to emulate a yeah, musical. Yeah, like that almost. Barbara Streisand kind of kind of song. I, I hear what you're saying, but yeah, this was like but yeah. really though, in their in their three albums, this is their slowest song by far. In their first album, they did Romance, which is basically like a classical guitar song, but there's no lyrics in that one. It's more just like an interlude kind of song. They did interludes before, but they never did anything like this. It's really unique and, and interesting and uh, and a song that didn't get a music video or anything, but most MCR fans would gladly belt along and probably sing this entire song for Gerard if they were to play it again, but instead they had to play Destroy Ya. But uh, this song goes in really cool to the next song on the album, which is by far, in my opinion, the creepiest one and uh, <laughs> resonates the most for some reason because this one is straight up uh, basically a war song. It's the, the patient writing or singing about memories of him writing to his mom in the war. And through the lyrics, mm. you kind of you kind of can insinuate that he did not have the greatest relationship with his mom. It's hard to tell if maybe she was abusive or just uh, didn't pay much attention to him, didn't like him. Maybe she liked other siblings. She might have been like an alcoholic. There's a lot of different things that you can kind of interpret through the lyrics. But this song just reminds me so much of uh, watching war movies like Saving Private Ryan and hearing the soldiers like screaming mama like when they're dying and stuff and that's basically what this song is <laughs> um it's really cool it's basically a ska song it has like a little bit of an upbeat to it like an upstroke to the guitar <laughs> uh, which is really cool it's very creepy almost like a funhouse style song i remember hearing it for the first time and and definitely not wanting my parents to hear me listening to it because it's really really weird and it even features a female vocalist uh which we can get to in a few minutes mama we all go to hell Mama, we all go to hell I'm writing this letter and wishing you well Mama, we all go to hell Now we're into the the super melodramatic part of the uh, of the play or the musical of the rock opera here, uh, for sure. We're really into the story. We're into this uh, very uh, different kind of musical. You know, we're not into uh, to to like just a standard rock song anymore. Too here, like we have a lot of different instruments, a lot of different instrumentation, a bit of a weird time signature that that upstroke. Uh, kind of style as well, having Liza Minnelli, mm-hmm. the uh, the singer that you mentioned, yep. who's in here. Uh, this song heavily influenced by kind of a cabaret style uh, music. Of course, Liza Minnelli is actually famous for playing in the movie Cabaret and the musical as well. So maybe that was one of the reasons Gerard uh, got her. She also has a very distinct voice and singing voice, yeah. and I, I think it really works well for to pl- her to play the the mama in this. Uh, it's also super reminiscent of Mother and Pink Floyd's The Wall. Where it's the same kind of thing, in the where the protagonist is kind of just asking why the mom, like her mother, didn't love him, and all this kind of stuff. So, uh, reminded me very much of that. It's also around the same sequencing too in the album. To, uh, so I'm sure Gerard uh, picked up on that because uh, he did love um, the Wall. That was one of his biggest inspirations for this uh, this album. So, uh, but I, I love that they actually got like a different singer like or like someone else instead of like gerard doing mm-hmm. yeah, doing the mom part the mama voice yeah. yeah he does do a lot of characters yeah. he does story. do a lot of characters so like he i'm a baby girl i should have been a better son like that was very kind of pink floyd-esque mm-hmm. that I, I thought of but yeah like the character the voice the the voices he does are really incredible to be honest like that's that's no small feat is to just 
change really quickly between uh, all these different characters. But yeah, love Mama. Great, great song. Yeah, that's him kind of imitating his. I think that's the idea: is the patient's kind of imitating his mom and the things that she said when he's doing the. Yes. You should. You should yeah. have like wishing mm-hmm. that he was a girl and he should have been a better son and everything like that. It's really dark. Yeah. I this is honestly one of my favorite songs on the album. I really, really, really like this song. Um, the main thing is that I have a great relationship with my mom, but right. <laughs> um, and, and just like you, I didn't really want my parents to hear this one because like it's so raw, and I think that's what makes it beautiful because he yeah. really, really dives into that relationship. But also, it has like Eastern European vibes, almost with um, similar to Gogo Bardello of just like very fun pick up and like accordion Selmo style. Um, and I think just segment wise, it's, this is the one I envision most as like a musical, I would say, or yes. a play, I think. Yeah. Peak, peak musical for mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> but like, fun fact, th- um, it, uh, this one also has the voices of their real moms. Really? Oh, In addition really? to Liza Minnelli, they have uh, backing tracks from the Way Brothers moms and I think Toro's mom as well. Wow. I don't know wow. where. I'm still trying to figure yeah. it out. But it sound like alert. the baby's crying? Like, I don't know what the heck, what else there is. May- oh. it, might, it might just be like uh, like additional tracks in the background, Eliza, maybe. I'm not sure. Maybe multiple yeah. mamas. They do do the part at the very end there where it's like we all carry on through brothers in arms. We fall. Oh, like, yeah, it might yeah, be that's that a, part yeah, where the they're end. all like there's kind of a group kind yeah. of vocal going on there. So that's really interesting. I like that. That's cool. They're like, let's um, put a real touch in there. Yeah. I love that. I mean, you even that the ending of this song is great too with a little i guess it's a accordion that's playing i think yeah. it's an accordion uh, that is playing while Liza Minnelli is crying mm-hmm. uh as as the mom uh, i i i thought that's such a such a cool way to end this uh this song and it has a yeah that very eastern european vibe as well to it just like a song that you would never imagine on a my chemical romance song before 2006 right yeah it honestly it technically like it doesn't actually fit the rest of the album that much but in where it is positioned it it succeeds really really well it's like okay we're in this now yep yeah be perfectly after cancer you know cancer kind of mm-hmm. cleanses the palate mm-hmm. almost uh and then you go into this completely new weird area you're like okay let's see where we're going now on the rest of the album and uh I, I think the both of them being so raw, like Cancer raw about himself, and then Mama yeah. raw raw's relationship, like the East, it works that way. I think just like yeah. it's very poetic. Yeah, and the and the weirdness doesn't stop there. Like Mike was getting to with Sleep, which is another creepy song for sure. It's uh, it's yeah. a song about basically experiencing nightmares and night terrors. Um, while you're trying to come to terms with all the things that you've done in your past, the fact that you're dying. The patient was a very screwed up person. I think at this point we're like ten songs into the record. I think we've probably we figured that out at this point, but. What's interesting about this song is that it was basically written not entirely as part of the concept album, but literally what the band was going through when they were making this record because it was so dark and because they were recording it in a basically a haunted mansion. Um, they were living in the mansion at the same time and they were recording in this mansion. Um, they started to have literal nightmares and night terrors. Mm-hmm. And the intro, when you're hearing the the patient kind of talking, that's actually Frankie who's talking about the night terrors that he was experiencing in his room uh, one of the nights. Who knows if it's true or not, but that's the story that they went with.
speaking, speaking of that mansion, sorry, it, it's, it's called uh, the Paramore. The Paramore Mansion. And yeah. uh, Mikey's room, Mikey Way, his room was the most haunted, so much so that he has he had a depressive episode not to leave. Right. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, the band's lawyer, helped, well, he stayed with them, and uh, I believe that's what inspired mm-hmm. the lyrics for Famous Last Words. I'm not sure. Oh, could mm. be. Yeah. No, that that's probably right. Um, I didn't know what that was until actually researching for this episode, but it's really neat. Pretty crazy that they had to go through that in making this uh, this album. But the the song itself is really cool. It reminds me a little bit of How I Disappear. Um, this is a song that I think after a while I did eventually skip, honestly, like after the intro, I liked listening to the, uh, the kind of messed up kind of rewind and playback again effect that they used, but the song itself, it's, it's pretty, pretty ordinary, honestly, like it's, it's good. I still love the song and it works really well after mama and just before teenagers. But how about you, Mike? What do you think of the song sleep? I learned all, I learned a lot just then, like the last like 30 seconds from you guys. Uh, that's really cool. I, I actually, I wasn't sure if like they got that that audio clip from like a movie or something or, or, but that's, that's, I don't know if I want to say really cool, but that's kind of messed up that it's actually like Mikey, uh, just like talking about his experiences and, and in this mansion, this literally this haunted mansion, he should have called Luigi, I think is, <laughs> is what this apparently a bunch of other bands have also like done the same thing and recording that mansion. And they all equally say like, Oh, the d- door shut on us. And, Oof. Now there's a skeptic of me who's like, okay, if you're paying X amount for this mansion and you need the, you need the publicity and shared publicity so you don't spill the secrets, but who we'll believe for now? Yeah, yeah, I like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this this song always actually kind of creeped me out to be honest. It can be a, a bit of a strange song. I can't listen to this song by itself. I have to yeah. listen to it within the context of the album for sure. Uh, I find it very strange if I if I listen to it by itself. I don't listen to the lyrics that much for this one, but like. To me, with the rhythmic cadence and everything like that, I'm like, if you lied and told me this was a yellow card song, I would believe you. <laughs> it reminds me actually a That's lot of fair, it reminds yeah. me a lot actually of uh, Enter Sandman, uh, especially like mm. with the uh, the the uh, little bridge there that they have, where it's the um, like the priest kind of putting a kid to sleep. It's a lot like that, where the they have Frankie uh, doing his little monologue there again, and Gerard is saying just sleep like over and over and over again until he's kind of like yelling it. And then it's kind of like a rhythmic kind of actually is kind of like a screaming, lulling somebody to sleep effect that they use. It's really cool how they did that. Uh, but a bit like that, a bit metal, kind of Metallica-ish, I suppose, um, reminiscent of that. But it leads into the probably the second most popular, most successful song MCR ever had, or at least on this record that they ever had, which is Teenagers, which is another song that came into massive popularity again with the help of TikTok. This song was literally used as a soundbite. They use it over teenagers doing dumb stuff now <laughs> with the chorus, which makes a lot of sense. And it, the song is literally a satirical view on uh, on the patient's view of how adults uh, seem to always fear the generation that they raise and the irony in that. And it's true. Um, adults are usually talking about how messed up or how uh, doomed teenagers are when in reality that's the generation that they raised. Um, but it always seems to be the generation that they fear the most. And it's a really neat song. I love the uh, the guitar work in this one. Almost reminds me of like some kind of like an Aerosmith style song or ragtime actually is what it reminds me of. Uh, like a slow down mm-hmm. ragtime kind of song. But it's definitely a must listen to song and a song so big that made it to Guitar Hero 2, which Brandon played. So Brandon, how did you do on Teenagers in Guitar Hero 2? This this one might have been a rock band because I, you can hear the big cowbell solo in oh, the yeah, there, cowbell. I think, and during the breakdown of the guitars <laughs> and uh, that was very popular at the time. Uh, I love Teenagers a lot. I feel like the music video, especially like, I feel like this was the inspiration for the church scene in Kingsman. That's that might be a leap, but <laughs> <laughs> just the frenetic uh, teenagers flooding the arena with Gerard Way clinging to uh, 
a semblance of order, I guess, yeah, against, against yeah. the children. I, I believe were they, they were wearing gas masks in the video, I think, right? Yeah, they are. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah they got the gas masks in the video. Uh, it's uh, it's a great music video. It's another one directed by Mark Webb. But the whole the song itself, like it's this is another quite a mood shift uh, mm-hmm. from these other songs that we've seen. Like we see Mama do this, and now we see teenagers just to go into this very strange, almost like very upbeat. Like the 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 chords are all it's a ma- all major chords. It's I be- it's, I'm sure it's the only song on this uh, album to have all major chords in terms of the actual uh, musicianship of it. And uh, we just have like we even have the funny little instruments like that. I, I don't know what that's called right before the first chorus, but that ding like the. the- Thing. Yeah, it sounds like the <laughs> twisted sound in Boppet. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I thought Gerard Way was doing that with his mouth for a while, and I just like, impressive. It. <laughs> I, he does do a lot of he has a lot of like he'll roll his r's at some mm-hmm. points too and he'll like like jared wade does a really good job with the vocals uh just not just singing but just all the little trills that he does throughout this album but uh yeah like like even the uh, almost like a country song mm-hmm. at, at, at the in the middle there with the uh with i think it was frankie's um uh, guitar solo mm-hmm. like just just trying to be just a straight up like basically just a country guitar solo mm-hmm. like so such a cool thing to have in this uh in in this album and on this song but yeah just subverting expectations is a big thing that this album does throughout uh throughout the, the track list and teenagers is no exception and it's late in the album too it's the last technically yeah. last third song on the record like I, I would i would think that this song track listing wise would be definitely like a three or a four like before the midpoint because this is definitely a hit like you would put this yeah. up at the front with the black parade and and dead and some other songs that people are going to listen to before they lose interest like this just feels like such a payoff after you get through the the emotional turmoil that is cancer mama and then sleep you get to teenagers which is like a fun kind of bang your head party song like you said mike like a rock country i still think it sounds mm-hmm. like walk this way or something like that mm-hmm. uh, really neat song really fun to play on all the instruments i will say um including the cowbell like brandon said earlier but it leads into the second ballad on the album which is disenchanted which is a an acoustic song for the most part acoustic with uh some electrical parts later on but this is basically the last two songs on the album and it's the patient's final days basically he's uh coming to terms with the fact that he's finally dying he's gone through all of his ups and da- emotional ups and downs that uh he's probably going to hell his mom hates him he does not have a wife he's gonna die alone and that's what this song is all about very sad very sad lyrics actually as emotional as cancer is i love this song i learned how to play the intro when i finally got an acoustic guitar i love playing this song on guitar it's really fun really easy to play too it was the road of the crowd that gave me heartache to sing it was a lie when they smiled and said you won't feel a thing and as we ran from the cops we laughed so hard it would sting yeah such a great song to play this is a song that I, I i got into much later i got into on my second second tour of of, uh, <laughs> of mcr when i kind of got back into a lot of a lot of emo and and uh, early 2000s music and i i knew this song obviously but i kind of forgot how good it was 
And it's 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 relatable too, you know, like we all go through disenchanting moments and uh it's it's got great lyrics in it and it's got great step downs like it's a really fun song to kind of bop your head to and really get into the music especially the verses the verses are fantastic and and so much fun to listen to today and yeah the great little guitar acoustic guitar that starts it off and ends it off Mm -hmm. too like this this is the perfect second last song absolutely i think what i really really like about the song is the vocal harmonies with all the band members on yes. just, so just following long, Gerard. So it's just, long. it's been, Gerard's <laughs> been carrying the, the most of the album. And then this is, it just feels very nice. It, it's very pleasant to listen to it. Yeah. It's a very pleasant listening song. And, and this comes from after listening to some, yeah, bit, like different sounding songs for the most part, for mm-hmm. sure. Like, like, you know, Teenagers Sleep, Mama, Cancer, uh, even House of Wolves. Uh, we haven't had a more traditional song uh, maybe since I don't love you. And so we have disenchanted as uh, a perfect yeah, lead into to ending off the album. Yep. Ending off the album, which with, with the perfect song title, at least for the last song on the album, which is famous last words, which is a really neat song. Um, I love this one. It's one that I had not heard again until I finally got this rec- uh, CD uh, for Christmas. I, I did not hear this album from front to back and I hadn't seen the music video yet. And this is the one that Brandon mentioned earlier, which was uh, filmed right after the black parade. And uh, I think this music video came with a lot of issues with filming. I remember hearing that oh, I yeah. think the drummer Bob, I think he burned himself because this. There, there were several injuries, honestly. Um, the, the to do with fire for the most part. Yeah. He he, he just was standing. Was there, there was a lot of fire, and he, I think he got um, burns on his left leg from being too close to it, which yeah. eventually turned into gangrene, apparently. Jeez. Ooh. Which was not great. Um, also, Gerard, I think he so Frank tackled him for some reason. Or I think part of the the video, but um, one of the tackles, Gerard, I think, like tore some ligaments in his ankle. God, Ooh. and uh, yeah, it was just they did a lot with that one, but it was it was very emotional for them because the whole parade float, as you know from the uh, the Welcome to the Black Parade, they set it on fire. Mm-hmm. You don't get many takes with that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just one. Maybe probably <laughs> one if it goes right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like like it makes. When you when you talked about earlier how like they were filmed the same day, like it makes sense. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, that they're the same two days. It makes sense. Uh, like now that I think about it, but I I never would have put the two and two together because yeah, it uh, it feels like now they're kind of almost like getting rid of everything that was part of the Black Parade. It's a great song. It's maybe maybe the most surprising thing I learned about this song doing research was the fact that it was the the second single uh, off the album. I, I thought I was really surprised that they uh, they had this uh, coming out uh, quite short after January of uh, two thousand seven. That makes sense though, because um, if the music videos are filmed back to back, then these are the two um, singles they want to release to promote the music videos for them. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. That's like that's one hundred percent why it happened. It's just funny because like teenagers is what I think of as like the 
the logical <laughs> next big single yeah. and that didn't come out until july of 2007 you know almost uh, almost a year after black parade comes out so or the or the the single black parade comes out so uh that, mm, they need the they need the parade to last all <laughs> that's right and i mean then they kept going with the live album too pushing that out but uh yeah famous last words it's it's very much a song about acceptance and overcoming things as well yeah and like lyrically obviously the song all the songs are amazing this song is up there with the black parade being another one of those anthems that all the pop punk and emo kids could sing along to and still can like it still holds up the song is really cool love the guitar work again um like the hammer on and pull-offs there in the intro and then the 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 guitar solos are really good um this definitely reminds me of something like like a guns and roses or like a queen kind of song with like slash or brian may um really good stuff i love listening to this one never none of the songs in this album ever get old that's why it's so hard to pick like a favorite and a least favorite and you said it mike like it's such a perfect last song on the record um it works so well it uh it kind of uh fades out really well to just lyrics um almost reminds me of like a blink 182 kind of thing like from feeling this where it's uh, the i'm not afraid to keep on living i'm not afraid to walk this world alone and then they've got that mm-hmm. harmony going or dead um so it's just like that kind of eternal like the eternal life kind of message to the uh, the album which is what this album's all about it's about coming to terms with dying and this is the point in the record where the patient is dead uh they have died and that's where we get the uh the hidden track on the album, which I didn't know existed for the longest time, which we can talk about real quick, because it comes about a minute and a half after the album ends fully. Uh, and that's the song Blood. And it's uh, it's funny because this song is actually uh, from the doctor's perspective, and they're trying to revive the patient who is now dead because they need blood to bring him back to life, but they cannot. And it's uh, a bit of a tongue-in-cheek song. And uh, I mean, I this is admittedly the song that I've skipped the most on this album. Most people probably don't even know that it exists, but... Uh, do you guys have anything to say about uh, blood? I I think it would be a lot better received if it was somewhere I in agree. the middle of the album. But I, after famous last words, it's just a powerful anthem song. Honestly, where it's everything's laid to rest. It's finality. You you're just crying in your room, and it's fine. And then blood comes on. You're like, why? 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 Stop it. <laughs> It's a, I like the song, just not after Famous Last Words. See, I personally love it. I love the placement of it. I love the tongue-in-cheekness of it. I love the, like, not <laughs> taking yourself too seriously, especially after an album is as uh, complex emotionally as this one. Uh, you go through all this. It's been a, it's been a tough road. And I'm sure this was very much how the band was feeling too. Like you, you, you create, you create this masterpiece. You, you like clearly they put a lot of their themselves into this album. Like you guys were saying about like the the, the, man, the haunted mansion and everything too. Like these guys went through a lot to make this thing. I think they wanted a bit of a uh, respite from like uh, all of it and just like a something something funny at the end, something little, something to just like put it as a hidden track. And it mm-hmm. is just a silly little like thing yeah, from the doctor's the perspective. little things like that i i i think are perfect and it's very much done in that chorus line style it's basically the same um music from a chorus line the musical uh and uh, it's it's so perfect in that sense too because it's kind of echoing 
that musicality that they've had throughout the um the an opera kind of setting that they've had throughout the whole album and it's just comes to a head with this like little uh, almost rec- sounds like it's like recorded on like a 40s radio and everything too i think it's perfect has the full player yeah. piano and everything going in the background too yeah exactly it's it's done in this very 40s style but then the lyrics are super <laughs> you know almost like offensive yeah. and morbid yeah <laughs> yeah kind of like yeah. laughing in the face of death yeah. I, I i think yeah, um exactly the best tongue-in-cheek part about it is the fact that i had completely forgotten this neil but you mentioned it's a minute and a half of silence to start the song Right, because they knew that everyone was going to leave it on their CD players going, and they're just just processing after famous last words, and then whoop, it comes on. It's also like like this is this is like pre kind of end credit Marvel scene thing, so this kind of feels like that where mm-hmm. it's like they could easily have just done this like ten seconds after famous last words ends, but literally you had to sit in silence for the or fast forward uh, like through your CD or on your iPod, which was difficult to do by the way, fast forwarding on the iPod. That's why the song I think annoyed <laughs> me was that to get the scroll wheel perfectly to the start of blood, you'd always get like halfway through it. It's like ah oh, crap, I gotta rewind it again. Um, it, it's interesting. Like, like it, we do that at the end of all of our shows. Some people probably don't get to that point either where like Mike and I have like a little bit at the end of all of our episodes where we have like a brief moment of dialogue after the ending jingle. And I, I it's, it could be a callback to blood who knows, but and it, if you haven't heard this, it's a great opportunity to go back and rewatch <laughs> previous episodes, go back a hundred episodes. Cause we've been doing this for a long time and uh, <laughs> no one ever calls us out on it. And I find that hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think, I don't know if I've, they've probably played blood li- live. I think when they did the live, version it was just a recording of it i don't think that they actually performed it if i remember correctly it just played as people were leaving uh which actually is a, is a really cool sense. idea to play it as like an exit song a really good outro uh to like like a show it does it does sound like a movie yep. intermission song yep absolutely it does but that kind of brings us to our fun questions segment of the day now this can be a really quick lightning round i know that this episode has gone very long so i'll really quickly run through all the questions here and you guys can each give me uh, your one song answers to each question. So, uh, Brandon, I'll start with you. What is your favorite song on the Black Parade? I would say Mama. Mm, nice. Mike, what about you? Uh, I got to say Welcome to the Black Parade. Yeah, I got to be uh, obvious. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was going to say, I'm going to have to have, side with Mike on this one. Sorry, Brandon. No, it but, normally uh, it would be. just yeah. like Mama has to be my outlier pick to be contrarian. The Black the Black Parade is just the perfect song. It's the, the emo song. So absolutely. Uh, when you die... How do you think death will appear to you other than a parade? Because Black Parade would be obvious, I feel like for me, it would be marching band tryouts trying to get into the Black Parade and join <laughs> and, and just the whole process of that. Yeah, I, I feel like for me, death will appear as like some sports game or like some like 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 losing and like the last like, I don't know, like being on an ice rink and like being in hockey and like I have a breakaway and I miss the net or something. Like I feel mm. like that's, that's a how, hockey game. Yeah, okay. exactly. That's how death will appear for me. I'm also thinking maybe Force Ghost Anakin comes and 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 takes me and and I become a Force Ghost with him. Oh, okay, I like that. That's a good. It could be Star Wars. Maybe maybe the death will come to you in a Star Wars dream. Oh, that, that would be as, lovely as a tauntaun. I always thought that it would be like probably really similar to a parade, but for me it'd be like a theme park or a carnival. Like I love roller coasters, I love rides, love Wonderland, love the X, love Disneyland, it's like all those things. I think it would be something like that. But I, I God, I hope it's not Mickey Mouse. I don't want to see <laughs> the demon Mickey Mouse. I want it to be something else. But uh, uh, walk-up song. Of course, we always talk about sports. You know, you're a pitcher, you're being called up to the mound, or you're going up to the plate. Mike, we'll start with you because you like this question. What song is your walk-up song? Oh, it's when things start to get heavy in the end. You know, just like, uh, mm. nothing at all. Da, da. You know, I think that would be a great, great intro to uh, to coming up to bat. Nice. How about you, Brennan? Do you have a, Do you have any idea what you would use in a baseball game uh, as your walk-up song? 
for me, like I normally use House of Wolves because that's I, I I like that answer. But I think a way more interesting idea is if you're playing like I, I was thinking of this more like wrestling, yeah, that's like sure. WWE thing intro. But if you're playing like a heel character, just blasting I don't love you. <laughs> I think that would be so funny. Ooh, I don't love you. Yeah, oh really man, good. that's such a better answer than mine. Just play up the crowd with that. Oh, geez. I love that. <laughs> I had the intro to sleep being mine, like just like hearing, like I'm walking up to the mountain, you just hear that voice <laughs> going, <laughs> and then it goes like the the snare kick kind of thing going. I think that'd be really cool. Uh, the classic question here: wedding song. Uh, what what song do you guys want to hear at a wedding? I can start off with this one. Uh, I would go with Cancer or Disenchanted. Probably Cancer being like a slow song. I think it'd be funny to like be like doing that as your first dance and then all of a sudden people start to clue in on what the song is actually about and then like all looking awkwardly at each other. So Cancer's my <laughs> pick. But how about you, Brennan? What song are you telling the G- DJ to play at a wedding? I do like Disenchanted, but um, I think I think I want Famous Last Words because of the anthem aspect of it. And also it's hilarious to do that at a wedding yeah <laughs> see what the dj says <laughs> yeah I, I see i think cancer fits the songs that shouldn't be first dance songs yeah kind of one like well, like every breath you take like i feel like someone would like have cancer it's, it's hard like... to do first dance songs off this album I'm gonna be what if they have cancer though i think it's shotgun wedding <laughs> for me i think it's gotta be the black parade Jesus. the welcome to the black parade <laughs> it's just it's 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 the the anthem like it's like everyone knows it you want to it'd be really cool to have this like played where like you know you just have like a couple big hit songs that really like upbeat and then you just hear the piano and everyone your age knows what is up yep and is ready to belt out for five minutes you have a complete emo wedding i've seen that that's a thing now too is like the theme is emo which is a really funny yeah. idea but if you could record, re-record one song on this album as a ska song, Mike, what song are you re-recording in the uh, key of ska? Oh, in the key of ska. Um, I think Teenagers. I think Teenagers is like the song that is almost kind of there. Like it's got that country Western feel for sure, but it, it could easily be turned into a ska song with with a couple upstrokes and a, and a trumpet here and there. Nice. Good answer. I think that that's a good answer, actually. Uh, Brandon, how about you? Do you uh, do you have an idea for a ska song here? For me, well, actually, I was doing some research. Um, our, our, bo- our favorite boy, Ska Tune Network, actually did a cover of Teenagers in Ska. What? Ooh. Yes, it is. It is a very right treat. Now. There we go. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, but there's also uh, one extra thing. Um, there's a YouTube channel called Housebound Ska Collective. Mm-hmm. And they did a Welcome to the Black Parade as a ska song. And after hearing that, I can't think of any other answer because they did a killer job. They did a really, really good job. They have a lot of different people performing within, in, the, in the song and they all did it collectively. And it, I think they did a really good job with that. Yeah, Welcome to the Black Parade is a definite good choice. I think Black Parade could work for, honestly, any of these uh, songs as an answer. Uh, I originally had Cancer being turned into an upbeat ska song, but I, I already used that for the wedding song, so <laughs> yeah. I might change it to something else. I think House of Wolves would be really good, just because it already is kind of upbeat and frenetic. I just want to hear S-I-N-I-S-I-N in a ska song. I think that would be hilarious. Uh, admitting to your past sins while there's like a trombone doing a solo. I think that'd be awesome. The hardest question of the day, I think, here is if you had to remove a song uh, from the album, what would you pick? Um, I'll go first here. I could cheat and I, I, I'm not going to say Blood because I feel like that's not technically an official song on yes, the album. Yeah. Um, so it's hard for me to say, but honestly, I, I might have to go like House of Wolves, unfortunately. It's just a song that like I, I forget about. I feel like that there's other upbeat songs like Dead and Teenagers that I'd rather listen to than that one. So 
I'm gonna have to say House of Wolves, but how about you, Brennan? Do you have a uh, a song that you would uh you if you had to gun to your head remove from the album? I don't like my answer anymore. Well, but I think I would pick This Is How I Disappear. It's yeah, it's no, a very it's... good song, but if in terms of the album, like I'm like I could see it as a weakest link. I don't know. Yeah, it's the only one I could think of that wouldn't completely tear apart like the narrative <laughs> and everything of the album. Right. Like you could still have it without it. Because yeah, we we had this question a lot, and usually it's a bit easier. But this is a concept album, and every track is there for a reason. Uh, there are no filler tracks in a sense, right? So like, I think how I disappear is probably the easiest one but I still I wouldn't want to remove it but yes if someone had a gun to my head I would also pick that one yeah I think I think House of Wolves and This Is How I Disappear are the two correct answers uh, for me they're just the most like they just like you said Mike they it, the, the album still works without the two of them or either of them yeah. for sure but it's not all doom and gloom once we've removed a song we do actually get to add a song from another album so uh, Mike I'll start with you if you had to pick a song from another MCR album that fits into this record what would you pick? oh man so there's a couple of of them. I, I was thinking of the new song even because uh, I really like oh, that yeah. song. But I feel like another six minute song to have on on this album would be maybe a little too much. Uh, I think maybe "Give Him Hell, Kid" from um, uh, Three Cheers is a good song to pick. It kind of fits with the theme and the lyrics, and it's it would actually be a pretty good replacement for House of Wolves to be honest because it's pretty upbeat. Yeah, they have a lot of songs like that on uh, Three Cheers, like Thank You for the Venom and other songs like that are really good, really upbeat, really good. It kind of goes back, though, to their old, like, uh, raw kind of sound too much. So I guess a yep. more produced version would be really cool. I went with the same record. I said The Ghost of You, which is the uh, the song with the music video, which is basically D-Day from Saving Private Ryan. I think that that would be a really cool song to have in here because it would play into the patient's history with being in the war. Maybe it was World War II. Maybe it was Korea or Vietnam. Who knows? Um, so I'd probably go with one of those two. Uh, how about you, Brennan? If you could pick a song from another MCR album, I have a feeling we're gonna get a Danger Days song here. So uh, if you, have to pick... uh, you are correct because I, I. Oh, which one is it? <laughs> so I approach this from a different point of view because, in my opinion, Three Cheers is perfect. You can't change it. You can't remove a song from it because mm. I'm like, if you take away to add, mm-hmm. something else gets removed. So I'm like, I can't touch the first two albums. So I needed a transition into Danger Days because Danger Days, I doesn't have that and that's the problem um so i picked na 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 because i'm like <laughs> it is if you needed to balance the two right it's fair you, yeah that's, that's as true. a transition to introduce the concept of danger days to the main mcr fandom which you could argue is not there for danger days <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, that's, yeah. That was my choice. It was a political choice, not a. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a political. You're trying to be demo- You're trying to be democratic. I like that. And uh, <laughs> yeah. you're right. There is no bridge. Like we saw, we did not see Danger Days coming after the Black Parade. This really dark and emotional album, and then Danger Days, which was a lot more neon punk. Uh, very different, very cartoony, very bubblegum pop kind of thing. Uh, we'll, we'll probably talk about that another time. But uh, we need to talk about the future of MCR, Brandon, because you, you among the three of us, technically have experienced more of the future of them than Mike and I have because you have <laughs> seen them live uh, after they released that single last year. So where do you see the band going forward? Do you think we're going to get a proper reunion with an album and a tour? So th- I will say like the set list for the concert is actually very, very balanced. It was a lot of... A lot of three cheers for Sweet Revenge and a lot of Black Parade and like they did have a fair bit of Danger Days, but it was like the mm-hmm. okay Danger Days where it's like okay, it's a concert and we're going to transition to the next one. It's fine. They didn't. I think they only had one Foundations of Decay. It was weird because it was like the first seven minutes of the concert of just 
like static noise that blurred into Foundations of Decay and no one knew when it started. <laughs> and then is basically, it felt almost like they wanted to get it out of the way. So I'm very, I, I don't actually know. I could see them going another tour because they had a great time. I think it was two days of concert. And I think Gerard came out in cat ears for my, our concert. Like they, he was dressed up as a kitty. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think we got to see, wait and see how this album is. Cause it definitely feels more, I think it'll be more somber. It won't, be a danger day style mm-hmm. but to see if it tells a story that's gonna be a big question yeah yeah i i'm really curious to see if we get an album i think is the the biggest question here because yeah i do i i was really pleasantly surprised by the um by the single i i loved it and i it's one of those songs that i actually really enjoyed the more i listened to it and you know being at six minutes and they didn't no radio edit because they just were like we're big enough now we can yeah. we can just put this out <laughs> and spotify exists but um yeah I, I i'd be curious to what see what happens i would love for them to come back i was i was sad but not surprised when they broke up in 2013 or 2012 whenever it was uh they released that greatest hits uh record as well they ended up putting out the 10th anniversary of black parade which is fantastic i recommend anyone going back uh check out that uh, 10th anniversary edition it's got tons of great bonus tracks and everything and has some uh skeletal uh versions of um uh, of the uh some of the big tracks like welcome to black parade you can kind of see how it came together but um uh, yeah i'm i'm curious where they uh where they do go from here and uh because there has been that radio silence neil like we we haven't heard anything from them, but we had this with with Blink-182, mm-hmm. where Edging came out, and then we didn't sure. hear anything from them, and then they are now putting out an album. That's pretty good. So, yeah. uh, who knows what's gonna what's gonna happen? I I think um I think it might depend on like if they have like something that will hold everything together. Like for Welcome to the Black Parade, early parts of it, as you were mentioning in the the tenth anniversary album, early parts of it were written back in two thousand two. Yeah. They did. They wrote. Started writing it four years beforehand, and at the time it was called, uh, I think it was titled "The Five of Us Are Dying" because they didn't come up with the name for the Black Parade until way, way later. Yeah, which it's also very thematic for them. Yeah, I'm and I'm glad they they picked Black Parade yeah. and waited that out. <laughs> yeah, oh my god, a yes. title. But but yeah, you're absolutely right. Like they and and you heard that little interview clip that I, I played early in the intro about Gerard Way being you know very much a planner and and having things in his head way before, and you know even just getting back together was probably a huge feat. Like like they all have their own projects. Gerard Way has his comic books and Umbrella Academy and everything too. So these guys, you know, they're in their forties now. They they have other things mm-hmm. going on. They they. They have families. families, yeah. Like they, they got other stuff going on. So um, it's uh, it's not as a rush anymore. They have their money. They don't need to make this music like they used to. So uh, I think basically to answer your question, Neil, uh, long winded answer. I think we will see an album at some point. I think we will definitely see another tour because this was so successful. Of course, uh, just a question of when. Yeah, I, I just want to know that like there. It sounds weird to say, but like I want to know that my the bands that I like are happy performing together too, which is another thing. Yeah. Like, like when the Blink One Eighty Two original reunion happened in like two thousand nine, two thousand ten, like it felt weird and forced. Like every reunion that they've had up until this point has felt forced. These days, they might just be better at faking it now, but like they they seem happier together, and I want that to happen with MCR. Like they really weren't getting along well towards the end of their uh, career back in twenty eleven. Um, and it showed, especially with their live performances and the music production and everything. So I just want to know that like they're all they're all happy and they're all okay. Um, that's really what I want. And like I'm you, not okay, Neil. I'm not okay. I promise. Um, but you guys said it well too before, which is that uh, Spotify exists now, which is in a way 
it means that music production and the way music is released and the way that we consume music is different. Like a band doesn't necessarily have to produce a record every five years. They can just put out two or three songs, you know, a year and then just call it like an EP and and then be done with it. Just have like a, it doesn't have to be a concept album. It doesn't have to be 12 songs. It doesn't have to be a live record. It could literally just be five songs, call it something weird. You can call it the five of us are dying, put out five songs and then go away for a little while, but make sure that they're good. You can go on like a North American tour and then go back home to your families. Like do something that's manageable for you. Do something that makes each other happy and make sure that they're all getting along. Cause I want to see Gerard having a good time on stage, coming out in cat ears and straight jackets and Frankie coming out in bulletproof vests and everything else. They don't have to go full emo like they did back in the 2000s because I think that that era is gone and I think we would kind of figure out that they're faking it, but I just want to see them on stage again and I would love to see them perform live. I know that they're a stadium band now because they're just way too big, but I'd love to see them in a smaller venue in Toronto like the Danforth Music Hall or History or the Phoenix. I think that that would be a ton (laughs) of fun. They do do small shows. I remember seeing like one of the last shows they ever played was basically like a bar show. And it's really weird to see a band that you know as a stadium band play in like a, a dive bar. Yeah. I love that look. I would love to see them like, imagine going to go see them at like the Horseshoe Tavern. I think that'd be sick. Well, you need you would need like a lot of security, but Ticketmaster economy makes that very difficult, I think. Oh my God. It wouldn't happen. It will It will never happen. But we'll, all of us old emos will have to just sit here and wait while we, uh, while we apply our eyeliner and uh, try and keep <laughs> our bangs alive while we slowly go bold. But Brandon, it has been a thrill having you on today to talk about My Chemical Romance's The Black Parade. Uh, we hope to have you on again real soon. We'll try not to wait two years again before having you back on, <laughs> but uh, we'll be seeing you in person in a few days to celebrate your birthday. So uh, happy early birthday to you, sir. Yes, thank you guys so much. It's, uh, it was a pleasure being on. This is one topic I feel very comfortable on. <laughs> one one last fun fact before we hit the road. Um, there's a Woody Woodpecker in reference in the album. Uh, can you guess which oh. song it's on? Mama, maybe? Sleep. Close. It's actually... Uh, it's in Dead. Oh. With the guitarist. Um, he does a, a riff that goes... Oh, yeah. Oh. Wow. I didn't even notice that's the hammer on and pull off yeah. part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're that's right. a Woody yeah, Woodpecker I can hear reference. It now. Oh, wow, that's that's funny. I love that. That's a, that's a great way to end on a high note there, Brennan. Perfect. <laughs> Brennan's just bringing some great facts. I love it. Brennan, we'll see you real soon, and thanks again for coming on. Right, thanks for having me, boys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you, Brennan, for coming on today. Having so much amazing stuff to share. This was uh, such a fun time having him on. Uh, like, It's really fun to have a... Uh, anyone really just passionate. I mean, obviously we make sure to get people who are passionate about these things when we have them on, but it's really fun to have someone like Brendan who's super passionate about this album uh, and and did his research, had some great fun facts for us. I learned a lot today, Neil. I love when I get to learn a lot about an album uh, or our media that I get to talk about on this podcast. I love it too. And I'm so glad that you and Brandon, both band geeks, you guys know a lot about music theory, even though I took guitar lessons for so long and I I play guitar. I don't, I really admittedly and too bad. I don't know a heck of a lot about music theory. It's one of the things that I wish I knew more about. It would probably make me a way better guitar player because I should be way better than I am considering that I've been playing guitar for almost 20 years. Um, (laughs) I feel like that knowing song theory and everything would just help me so much more to understand chord progression and what makes songs good and what makes them interesting and unique. But maybe someday I'll get back into it. 
uh, good enough that I can learn all of these things. But no, this is a record that I've been listening to for 17 years, basically. I love all the songs. It's been a lot of fun talking about it with you guys today. I'm really glad that we got a chance to cover it. And it's the perfect month to do it, too, because October is Halloween. And this feels like it's a spooky album. So it makes yes. sense to cover it around uh, around some spooky movies and some spooky games. So with that, Mike, why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 35 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast. On episode 35, amigo uh, Neil, por favor, we're uh, going to talk about some Grim Fandango, one of the greatest adventure games ever made for any console, but of course it was on the PC by LucasArts. This is a great 1998 game celebrating its 25th anniversary this month. Uh, another spooky media to talk about uh, for our uh, spooky month of October to celebrate Halloween. Uh, Grim Fandango is just such an interesting game. There's so many things to talk about and uh, we're going to have some great guests on to uh, talk about uh, this game with them as well. Yeah, Day of the Dead. We're going to be talking about some uh, some Aztec dead, not zombies, I was going to say zombies, skeletons. Yeah. Very Not a creepy game. It's more of like a, a goofy, a spoopy game, yeah. we'll say. Um, yeah, a nice little PC adventure game. It's going to be a lot of fun to talk about it. It's not a game that I have a lot of experience with, so we're going to have to find an interesting way to cover that. We'll definitely have some guests join the show because we know a couple people who love it and love adventure games in general, a genre that I'm sure a lot of folks out there know of but don't know a lot about or haven't played. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun talking about that game with you next week. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 34 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better. And if you're a Spotify listener, please keep writing in with the new Q&A feature. We love reading the comments on the show. You can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool. Support us at the $5 level, get to submit and vote on our monthly Patreon elected episode. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and join the weekly conversation on our Discord channel. Share us with your friends and family. Tell the patient, Mike says hi. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. See you later. Bye-bye, mama. The Unlocking What Was Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. Our podcast is fan-funded by our listeners on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool. The show is produced, hosted, and edited by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Additional voices provided by Victor Young. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 level. AJ Olson 11, Bogus Lotus, Cube Dude, Dean Donian, Joey Sirico, Marty Thompson, Sparks Fly 027, and Way Overrated. Well, they encouraged your complete cooperation, send you roses when they think you need a smile. I can't control myself because I don't know how, and they love me for it. Honestly, I'll be here for a while. So give them blood. Blood. Gallons of the stuff. Give them all that they can drink, and it'll never be enough. So give them blood. 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 Grab a glass, because there's going to be a flood. I celebrated a man amongst the gurneys. They can fix me proper with a bit of luck. The doctors and the nurses, they adore me so, but it's really quite alarming, because <laughs> I'm such an awful f oh, thank you. I gave you blood. Blood. Gallons of the stuff. I gave you all that you could drink, and it has never been enough. 
I give you blood, blood, blood. I'm the, the kind, kind of human, human wreckage, wreckage that you, that you love. love. <laughs>